0: Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jax.
0: Austin Lane.
1: He's a former Jags star and current MMA fighter.
2: Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
3: Is Leonard Fournette ready for a big-time season for the Jacksonville Jaguars? What has he learned? We'll hear from Leonard. Terry Rabisky, how much can he help? A couple of New Orleans guys, Louisiana guys. How much will that help in a reinvented backfield of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Will I defend my home run derby title? It's actually not a defense. Will I win it again? I won it two years ago, so it wouldn't be a defense. Uh, can I win it again? That's maybe the most burning question I have On this Friday heading into Memorial Day and plenty of Jags talk. How about Gardner Minshew? We catch up with the stash. Two famous stashes in the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, Shad Khan and Gardner Minshew. We uh, had some time with the quarterback after OTAs here on Friday. And oh my, I wish we could show you. Maybe the Jaguars will put it out a little bit later because it was one of the times that you cannot record. It was team session for the Jags. But everybody's talking about a couple of big plays at OTAs. Oh, we get excited when there aren't even pads on. But Nick Foles with a bomb to Chris Conley. And then a nice play 50 yards down the field by Keelan Cole as well on what was described as a 50-50 ball. So there is that. Get you excited on a Friday. Three days of OTAs in the books. Jags will be back at it next week. Plenty of Jaguars talk, of course, here on a Friday. We will do that. And once again, some interviews coming up. Terry Rubisky, Leonard Fournette, and Gardner Minshew. Brent Martineau flying solo here on a Friday. Not for long. We'll have some special guests along the way. And that is included to be Austin Lane, my co-host. He is off in Vegas. And what I'm debating right now in Vegas as we have Scott along with us on a Friday. In for Coos, who is taking day number 46 off, and we haven't even reached 100 shows yet. Uh, good to have you, Scott. We're hanging out. Thanks, man. The question is, when Austin calls in, I think he's going to do it a couple of times. He's out for the All Elite Wrestling. He's he's so excited, double or nothing. Uh, we had CM Punk on yesterday. I mean, the guy's fired up. He He's playing fan for the most part. Oh, absolutely. But we've got him credentials to StarCast, and we've got him credentials to tomorrow night's Double or Nothing to do some interviews. Uh, and we'll see what he gets. I have no idea how he's going to do well, it. Well, he's the man, and uh,
4: considering AEW's running out of Jacksonville with the uh, the Khan family involved in everything, he's the right guy to have the right kind of access to get in there and make us the uh, the connection.
3: Absolutely. We're covering local sports in Jacksonville, and uh, on the road in Vegas to do it on Memorial Day weekend. But the burning question I have for uh, when I talk to Austin is, do I ask him to put $100 on red? Or do I ask him to put $100 on black? I want one spin. That's it. I want oh, Wesley one. Wesley
4: Snipes taught us that lesson, man. Always uh, bet on black.
3: Bet on black. So we'll go. I was thinking black this morning. I just wanted to get your confirmation. We're on board. Absolutely. I want one spin. And now there's a follow-up to this. Do I trust Austin if we win to tell us tell us that we really won? Absolutely. I think so, too. I think he's good enough for that. So, uh I want that to happen. I don't know if he's, like, in a casino when we talk to him, near a casino. But at some point this weekend, I want one spin for 100 bucks on black. And we'll let it ride. There it is, man. Which is a different game, let it ride. But we, we will let it ride. Hey, that's how great stories start, man. That is how great stories start. Uh, there's always a story or two in Vegas. Uh, that is for sure. Hope you're having a good week, everybody. Boy, it feels like summer has started, doesn't it? Uh, this is kind of the week. School's out, graduations. I talked a little bit about it yesterday. Heck, my kids uh, graduated in middle school. Uh, that's a thing. And by the way, you should graduate middle school. <laughs> the rest of it's up in the air, but middle school is kind of formality. I well, mean, that's where you get your important lessons,
4: man. You've got your basic <laughs> arithmetic, you've got your basic uh, language and grammar skills and your sentence structure. You're learning social interactions, and now what's getting involved is like that high speed training. You know, you're getting your uh your integration into systems and rules and protocols and processes and playbooks and fun, happy things like that.
3: I, I tweeted the picture yesterday of them at uh, the old Mary Pats. Mary Pats is what it was called. That's where they went to preschool uh, over there on San Jose uh, or State Route 13 uh, years ago. And we took that picture. And when you take that picture, you have no idea what the heck the kids are going to be like years from now. And I kind of feel the same way. Even after eighth grade, 14 years old, I think we still really have no idea what the kids are are going to do, be like, down the road. I mean, there's so much changing that still goes on from 14 to probably 22, but really 14 to like 17 or 18, that I say it from a, uh, a playing baseball and softball for them, I say it a lot, I think, get me to the 15th birthday, which will be next April for them, and I will tell you what I think they will do, whether they want to go chase girls well not they uh probably i don't know maybe uh tie chase girls kaylee chase boys uh play video games uh anything but play baseball and softball or if they hey they might be okay at this thing like i have no idea until they're 15 years old in my opinion but i really have no idea about life for them still at this stage i can take a more educated guess but 14 years in I can't tell you what it's going to be like in 2027 or 2035.
4: Well, at this point also, they're starting to figure out who they are, what's important to them, what do they like, what are they into, what drives them, where is their passion. And, um, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to find that at an early age and start cultivating that, you can progress to heights unlimited. But if you come into it a little bit later, you know, that's more motivation to make up maybe some of that
3: lost ground along the way. And whatever it is, you know, Go for it. Be a star. Achieve your dream. We are deep-diving, scuba-diving here early on a Friday afternoon. Parenting uh, 101. And, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where to... All I really care about tonight is that they throw strikes to me. That's all that matters. Throw a big meatball that I can hit in Home Run Derby at the baseball grounds. Uh, and if you missed it, uh, first pitch, uh, walk-off charities event tonight. Uh, we'll be part of it. There will be a lot of folks uh, involved over there at 6.50. I'm going to race over there right after the show. Hey, bada, bada, and, bada, so wing bada. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have some fun uh, for a good cause. Really a good night out. If you're looking for something to do, doors open at 5 o'clock. Bring your whole team, your Little League team, your high school team, your middle school team. Uh, and the kids uh, are free and the adults are like ten bucks, but there's food and drink. And the beautiful thing about uh, tonight's event, too, at the baseball grounds, where the derby stuff will take place around six fifteen, is it's a relatively short night. You know, you go to some events and it's like four, five, six hours long, and you got to dedicate the whole night. Not really. Uh, if you want to bring the kids by and go check it out and have some fun on a beautiful night, uh, you can get over there at five thirty, and you'll be out of there by seven thirty. And if you want to go, then have a nice dinner or. Uh, end up hanging out with some some neighbors, or you can still do all that. So I, I like that part of the event. Uh, it'll be over there. We'll be over there, and uh, we'll talk more about it uh, a little bit later on in the program. Because quite frankly, it's uh, as it's good. F- it's for a good cause, but it's selfishly about me winning the home run derby so I can brag about it for another year. That is
4: itself a good cause. That
3: is a good cause. <laughs> Myself, uh, bragging absolutely. rights
4: for Action Sports Jacks, man.
3: I can't wait to talk to Austin Lane and ask him about Giannis. I mean, and the Bucks. What a disaster. These teams are disappointing me. I, I, Golden State, obviously, I'm rooting for anybody but Golden State, and they're not getting a lot of uh, friction along the way. Portland was, although the three of the games were pretty good, it's still, they didn't win one, so Portland didn't provide much of a punch. And now what's going on with the Bucks? How about an adjustment here? I, you win two games, and now Toronto's really come back and played good defense, I think, against uh, Milwaukee. Hey, Bucks, try to figure this thing out. You got one more chance. You got one more chance to figure it out. And if you get back to game, yeah, if you get back to game seven, well then, I think I like your chances. But, uh, that was a bad loss at home. Uh, down the stretch to Kawhi Leonard's been awesome, so don't take anything away from him. And the defense has been tremendous. I think they made a super adjustment, uh, going from game two to these last three games. And now it's the Bucks turn. You have to, you have to make an adjustment and you have to make some shots. I mean, those guys, the bench guys are not making shots. The, the other guys, uh, Along with Giannis, uh, not making enough shots. Bledsoe, Middleton, they're, they're not playing where they played all year. Best team in the NBA. We'll see if they can uh, get it done. Game six over the weekend, force a game seven. I do think if they force game seven, I think they will win it at home. I love the momentum a team gets from winning game six, and especially if you're coming back home in a game seven. And I do want my shirt, Fear the Deer. Uh, that's it. It's, again, it's very selfish, but I would like to see Milwaukee uh when even though Toronto's been a fun team, Kawhi Leonard's good, he's obviously a, a huge superstar. He's playing like it. He's having an awesome series and, and really postseason. And Toronto fans are into this thing, which is kind of fun to watch. So as a neutral observer, I think that part uh, has been Pretty fun. So we'll talk a little bit about everything. We'll have some special guests along the way, and we'll have some interviews. If you missed it at the top, Gardner Minshew, I caught up with him today. Leonard Fournette talked to the media. Terry Robisky talked to the media. Let's begin there. Leonard Fournette. He's about as interesting a guy as this franchise has seen in 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 its history. And uh, let's, when we come back on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety, let's hear from Leonard Fournette and what he thinks about the two thousand and nineteen season and why this could be more like 2017 rather than what really was a disaster of 2018. We begin with some Jags on a Friday, heading to the weekend in style. Thanks for hanging out with us on ESPN 690.
0: Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick & Wingo. You're listening to Action Sports jacks with our friend Brent Martineau on ESPN 690.
3: We're really looking forward to Leonard having a big year. He's going to be a major reason where our offense goes. Leonard Fournette needs to be a big part of this offense. The harder he works, that's going to be not only good for our offense, but good for our team. All right, that's John D. Filippo, the Jaguars offensive coordinator, yesterday talking about Leonard Fournette. And, hey, that's why it is. I mean, you know, we talk about Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette. Let's just talk about the running game when it comes to... The Jaguars, when it comes to any NFL team, you have to be able to run the football. If you want to be able to run play action to your tight ends, like John Filippo loves to do, design some stuff that might take a little time. You have to be able to freeze that defense, and that all stems from a running game. So, yes, it's a pass-happy NFL, but again, most teams, it still starts with the running game. And especially teams that seem to win and win big. And the Jaguars did that in 2017 because of their ability to run the ball. They were number one in the NFL in rushing offense that year. That created some opportunities for receivers, for Blake Bortles, and even tight ends. Mercedes Lewis, I think, had five touchdowns that year. Uh, and now Nick Foles will want the same thing, the ability to run the football. You have to be able to pass when people know you're passing too. But the whole setup of a game in the first three quarters is I think still predicated off the run and the ability to do play action. So John D. Filippo talking about Leonard Fournette, that's their bell cow. That's the guy they've invested in. That's the guy who's back from the last two years, and he has to have a good season in the eyes of John D. Filippo. I absolutely agree. By the way, we want your thoughts on uh, Leonard Fournette throughout the show. Nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. Also whatever else you've heard all week on the Jags. We've had interviews with Avery Jones and D Westbrook and uh, earlier this week with Chris Conley. We'll have one with Gardner Minshew coming up. We'll hear from Leonard Fournette and Terry Rabisky and more from John D. Filippo. So any comments on what's going on first week of uh, OTAs more than welcome. Join me. Keep me company. Nine zero four three six two uh nine nine. I do want to pass along some updates along the way because right now Creekside is playing for a state championship in softball down in Vero Beach. So that just got underway. And in baseball, the JU Dolphins trying to get a win over Stetson. Stetson a little bit of a Cinderella in the A-Sun tournament. They're a six seed and they've won their first two games. Stetson and Jacksonville tied at one right now. In the eighth inning, I think they might be going to the ninth. So that one coming down to the wire. JU has won two extra inning games. If they can win this one, they'll advance to the championship tomorrow. Meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, after this game down in DeLand, UNF will play, and UNF will play against Liberty, I believe it is. And uh, they, uh if they win, they'll play in the championship tomorrow. So there's a really good chance that JU and UNF will play in the A-Sun championship. And the winner of that one will be the automatic bid from the A Sun into the NCAA tournament. That's the only way UNF&JU are getting in this year. They won't get at larges, so it's something to keep an eye on today. We'll continue to follow it. Some really good baseball and softball uh, here on a Friday, both high school and college, Florida and Florida State softball play tonight. FSU softball actually lost yesterday, so they'll be up against it, and uh, we'll keep you posted on all authors. of this. Go Wasps! Are you a UNF guy? I am, multi-times. Right, uh, right now, you're not saying go Wasps right uh, i'm I'm not a fan of the wasp flying around in the studio right now i am I'm not his friend. yeah you um, what's interesting about uh, I was thinking, would you rather have in the ask yourself this people, would you rather have like in a in a closed studio like we're in, a wasp or a yellow fly roaming around, and you took the wasp
4: no, I'd Scott. rather have the yellow fly. Because I can slap it around and be done with it. You
3: slap a wasp around, and that wasp is going to slap you back. I tell you what. I think my wife is more afraid of a yellow fly than if she saw a grizzly bear face-to-face. (laughs) <laughs> she hates those things She is petrified But you've got things. fairly equal odds <laughs> uh, I was attacked by one on the golf course the other day I could not get the thing away from A me A grizzly bear? No <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> Definitely the yellow fly And I could not get it away from me I, what, what I'm impressed with the yellow fly is the endurance like They're tenacious little monkeys They will chase you down Like like You could try to get away You can walk faster. you can even run They will keep following you. Like they've, they've got an endurance to them. I'm impressed, uh, with the yellow flies. But this, this is it. I don't know how many career kills you have, but today, by the end of the show, six o'clock, Scott. I expect a killed wasp. One or the room. other will die by the end of the show. <laughs> Enter me. Somebody's going down uh, today here on Action Sports Jackson, on ESPN 690. Going to talk a lot of Leonard Fournette, a lot of Jags. More than welcome uh, to jump in. And, well, South Beach Gary takes the opportunity early on a Friday, getting ready for a holiday weekend. What's up? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Except
5: when Austin plays, Brett, because he generates so much club head speed with the driver, they're afraid to be around the man. Yeah,
3: yeah we'll find out. We'll find out when, when we sorry. take him out on the golf course. I'm going to introduce a new segment
5: today, guys, the song of the day. Oh, thank when you. That's I call. Oh. Today it's going to be Cupid by the great Sam Cooke.
3: Oh, okay. Do we have to okay, go yeah. find that? Do you want to give us a heads up so we can go find the song? <laughs> <laughs> or do, or do we, are you going to sing it to us, South Beach Garrett?
5: No, 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 no. You don't want me to sing I'm, I'm not in Sam Cooke's league. I admit that. Uh. You're so right when you're talking about the running game, but I think the Jags, they should be excited about Nick Foles, and I agree with him, but the fact of the matter is it's one of the worst talented teams as far as receivers, tight end, resumes in the NFL, the skill position players. There's questions at linebacker outside of Tone Smith because you've got Ryan coming back from the knee, uh, you know, the, the depth there. The lineman with Cam Robinson and uh, Linder coming back from injury. There's still a lot of questions on the football game, even if you're looking for teal-colored glasses.
3: Yeah, I think you're right there. Uh, South Beach, Gary, have Thanks, a good, good, good have uh, a holiday weekend. weekend. We'll uh, you too. Oh, look at that. You found it. You played him out, little Cupid. By the way, I would never have guessed this. Cupid, draw back your bow. I'm not sure how that fits in with the Jags and stuff, but, you know, there it is, I mean, it's beautiful. Listen, if you're going to introduce, like, a new segment, and South Beach Gary says Song of the Day, like, would you really lead off with this? Like, Song of the Day, and you're coming out of the gates, this is the first time ever on the show, he says, uh, with Song of the Day, and he comes out of the gates with Cupid? It's an interesting choice. I mean, you know, it's jazz festival weekend.
4: I might have gone something in that direction. Uh, big sports <laughs> weekend. I might have gone something a little more aggro, but hey, man, South Beach is living in light. Yep. So, uh, m- maybe
3: Sam Cook was the mood. Hey, Sam Cook's the mood. And, uh, thanks for finding that. That was very good of you. Uh, quick, quick on your hands or feet or something, uh, over there. Uh, or hey, listen, South Beach Gary brings a good point. Yeah. Listen, you can have teal colored glasses on and, uh, sometimes I am the, uh, owner and definitely the founder uh and president and chairman and all that of the sunshine and rainbows club but i they do have question marks of course they do i I don't think on the defensive side they have a lot of questions that they'll be a good defense i think it's how much how good will they be how elite will they be will they get turnovers and scores like they did two years ago or will they come up a bit empty in that department like they did last year are they saxonville again so those are fair questions but We all know they have good players. Everybody in the NFL knows this football team has good players on defense and they are going to be a good defense. Uh, they, again, elite, we can talk about and we can debate, but good, no doubt. I mean, don't, don't even, don't even think about saying this isn't going to be a good defense. So I don't think there's a lot of questions on that side of the ball from that standpoint in its totality. There's a ton of questions on offense. How good is Nick Foles? What about this revamped running backs room? What can Leonard Fournette bring you? Can he stay healthy? Can the offensive line stay healthy? Is Cam Robinson a good left tackle? Is Brandon Linder a little overrated at center? Is the right side of that line going to be okay with the hodgepodge of guys that got it right tackle and the re-signing of A.J. Cann? Do they have any talent, if not enough talent, at the, in the tight end room? And who emerges from the wide receiver group, uh, including how healthy is Marquise Lee? So, South Beach Gary, I hope I answered your question, but... Or at least come on board with you. Maybe not on Cupid, but definitely on, yeah, there's a lot of questions. But you know what? Every football team has a lot of questions. I'm telling you right now, I could go dissect the New England Patriots, and I will give you 20 questions about the New England Patriots. I know one I I won't give you. That's Tom Brady. And another one's Bill Belichick. But I am gonna. I can also tell you that I'm not going to ask a lot of questions about this Jags defense right now, and I probably won't ask a lot about Josh Lambeau. So there you go. I've got two that I like here in Jacksonville as well. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. These uh these questions that might be asked
4: about that, they'll be proven in time, and we'll get us something to look at, something to review. For right now, every team's coming in with a clean slate. Hopefully every team's coming in with a full roster, a bunch of healthy players, a bunch of people who are willing to do the work, a bunch of people who want the season. And uh, if Jacksonville is on top of their game like they were for that seventeen uh, season, man, it's it's wicked things in stock for the rest of the NFL.
3: If you think about uh, like a drinking game, maybe some Vita de Louis tequila or something like that. I think my drinking game word this so far on this show and when talking about the Jags is maturity. And I asked D.D. Westbrook about that a little bit yesterday. You go going into year three. Are you, are you mature? I love the fact that Nick Foles because of his maturity he's 30 years old. I like that, Uh you know. I I think even you could put that into Miles Jack, has he matured now to play that middle linebacker spot? uh, You know the Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey's been very quiet this off season. I think that's a show, a sign of maturity. It's certainly
4: he, a, a significant character shift from uh, his past abs- uh, behaviors.
3: Abs- and you know what? As an as a guy who likes to talk trash, you talk trash and everything when you do well. But when your team doesn't do well, you kind of silent a little bit. And I think he's shown a level of maturity by doing that this offseason. I have not heard much outside of a little social media from Jalen Ramsey. No national articles. And people are calling, by the way. It's not like they've stopped calling. Everybody's asking to do interviews. He's not doing them. So, And then I asked the same question about Leonard Fournette. And and I think maturity and last year is so fresh in everybody's mind and some of the the off-the-field stuff. And there's all these questions about Leonard Fournette. Well, I do think it's natural to assume three years into an NFL career, you're more mature than you might've been in year two and definitely in year one. And that's again, what I think about with Leonard Fournette, I think he's a guy that I don't know if he'll always make the greatest decisions. He might get another speeding ticket, by the way, I I don't, I I think he will pay it. I don't think he'll get a suspended license again. I I think you probably, he'll probably spend some money on something that he shouldn't spend some money on. Like, like a fourth car or something. You know, I think he'll make some questionable decisions. He's still only 24, 25 years old, a guy with a lot of money. But I do think there will be a professionalism about him that we haven't quite seen just yet or a different level of it. Let's hear from Leonard Fournette, uh, a little conversation with him about kind of hitting the reset button. And then I had a couple of follow-up questions on a a few different topics, including the running backs room and his new running backs coach. Uh,
6: You know, after the season we had last year, you know, I think everybody kind of hit the restart button. You know, we talked about where we was going at. You know, and uh, when I went to Dallas, actually Cam was out there. Uh, I went, I went, maybe Jan, trained for a minute together. So it was kind of like for all the players to get back into uh, our foundation, where we all started from.
3: Leonard, what's this room like? Uh, a bunch of new guys in there?
6: Well, it's it's the same, man. Uh, you know, uh, because uh he's he's one of a kind. You know, uh, me and Blue, I've been had a uh, relationship with Blue since I was in college uh, when I was getting recruited by LSU. Uh, ben is a good guy. Uh, Tom is a good guy. Q, you know, he's kind of quiet. We're trying to break him out of the shell, <laughs> but uh, it's fun. Coach
3: Trubisky, it? how much do you relate to so you guys are-
6: Yeah, we're both from uh, New Orleans. I know, we went to LSU. Uh, he's cool, you know. Uh, old school, you know. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, he's old school. And he's going to push us no matter what.
3: Fournette, Leonard Fournette earlier today uh talking about a, a variety of topics so we'll have more Leonard Fournette reaction coming up in just a little bit but uh, the one thing you know sometimes words come out I think even even different for these guys when they answer the question I asked him about the running backs room and he's like well it's the same well no it's not it, it's not the same and he actually then went on to say you know uh talk about each guy and and even Terry Rabisky, who's, who's the different guy. So I think he gave us evidence that it's not the same, even though he kind of said right away, yeah, it's the same. It's not. And, and that, and that's a big thing. TJ Yeldon was not a good fit. I don't think in that room. Uh, Carl, uh, Carlos Hyde, not a good fit in that room by the end of the year. I, I don't think that was the case. It was an epidemic, like day in, day out, early in the season, whatever it was. But by the end of the year, Those two guys couldn't be a part of it anymore. They couldn't be a part of Leonard Fournette anymore. It was not going to work. That was like and all things fair to car to
4: uh, Carlos Hyde, but he really seemed like a like a quick patch on a leak or something like that. You know, he seemed like a not an attempt to solve a problem, but to mitigate it. And, uh, it just, the, the team just wasn't a fit for him across the board.
3: Well, it was part of a domino effect, really, because I believe I still, will, I will always contend and someday we'll find out more about this. And I think the, you know, the stories will come out, but I think that was a prep move in case they had to potentially trade Leonard Fournette or try to trade Leonard Fournette, given the situation that they were in. I, I think that was at least a potential, uh, fix. You know, a guy that could replace Fournette from a style standpoint. And also, a fifth-round pick for what they had on Carlos Hyde's contract still was not necessarily a bad idea. It made a lot of sense. You know, if Carlos Hyde is still here, and this is why it shows that he wasn't a great guy in that room, because they didn't even really make an attempt to keep him, yet they went out and signed a guy like Rawls and Blue. and, And he could have filled those roles. As as those guys are trying to fill, but they just didn't want him part of the the room anymore. And the the good, it has been revamped. Is my point, and it's probably the best thing for Leonard Fournette that there's new blood in that room, and there's especially new blood. When it comes to Terry Rabisky, which is kind of old blood, it's Louisiana blood, it's old school blood, and it's really good for him because he will be the beneficiary of Terry Rabisky more than any other player on that roster, and right now it looks like a pretty good relationship. I want to get into that relationship a little bit later in the show. We'll hear from Terry Rabisky. We'll hear from Leonard Fournette. Why is that such a good connection other than the bond of New Orleans and Louisiana. It's got to go deeper than that, so we'll get into it uh, coming up in a bit. We go to Vegas coming up next, and a guy with a tie joins me in studio as well on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hang with us here on a Friday. Hope you're having a good day, everyone.
0: Martin, no.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter.
2: Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN 690.com.
3: Oh, a lot more Jags talk on the way, of course. Action sports, Shacks on ESPN six ninety until six o'clock tonight. Talk a little NBA. We got the old balling and falling. I don't. Th- I don't know if we have stay in your lane today because Austin's not here, so probably not. Unless Scott wants to pick up on that, but we do have Johnny Bachman right here from CBS forty seven and Fox thirty. Yeah, Said, come a- on up for a second. Let's talk some sports. Forget about all those other n- bad, yeah, this crazy things
7: you got to talk about in the news world. That's right. This will be fun. And I'm in Austin's chair, so I'm ready. Should I put on something on the whiteboard? You should. Should I? We'll
3: we'll ask permission right now because Austin is on the line from Vegas. Does Johnny Bachman have uh, permission to use the whiteboard? Oh, John Bachman
8: can do whatever he wants, man. Uh, Hey, settle Uh, down. I'm I'm just glad that he's keeping my feet warm.
3: Not that much. Just say whiteboard's fine. I don't know about whatever he wants. Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, All right, man. How was the flight? You went out this morning. I heard there were people in the airport that that were flagging you down saying, hey, that's Austin Lane, ESPN 690. I'm sure they were saying. They must have been big fans of the show. (laughs) Truth be told, yeah, I got a few shout-outs,
8: one from MMA and one from the radio show. So it was about a horse apiece. But what was really crazy was the flight. So I flew out of Jacksonville at 630, got to Atlanta around 730, uh, my next flight from Atlanta to Vegas was uh, at 8.30. So um, I get on the plane at 8.30, and it's very clear that there's a lot of all elite wrestling fans there because they all have the T-shirts and everything. You know, so I- I'll get them some props, like, hey, you guys going to Vegas, I assume. They're like, oh, yeah, he's going too. And we got into a huge conversation. And keep in mind, I mean, it's like 8 o'clock, so it's still pretty early. Uh, but they all started doing chants on the plane, which, I mean – Seem fun but i wasn't gonna take part in it because once again it was like eight o'clock in the morning but they were chanting and everything so uh even even the sit on the airplane to vegas
3: is pretty nuts yeah i bet you know in an airport it's interesting hanging out with you now uh doing the radio show we've done a lot of shows on the road but like do you always feel like people are looking at you because oh, yeah. you're six foot six so you know occasionally you well i'll get i'll go to the grocery store or something and be like I know who that guy is. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I think I see I'm trying to play. You know how you can sense somebody's trying to do that? And like, oh, yeah, yeah I see you on TV. Well, a lot of times what I'll say is I'm like, no, that's my brother. But uh, <laughs> um, but you, you like, like, you're 6'6". You, you've you got dreads in this big, bushy beard. And so yeah. Like even if you didn't do anything, if you never played in the NFL, if you didn't fight MMA, if you weren't on ESPN 690, You'd probably still get a lot of looks. People would be like, where do I know this guy from? Right? You must get that all the time.
8: Oh, yeah. And then especially, too, because I'm wearing some very aggressive socks as well. So, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the socks kind of stand out a little bit. So people just can't pinpoint me. They're like, is he an athlete? But he's wearing kind of crazy socks with some beat-up shoes. So maybe he's not an athlete. So, yeah, people always come up to me and ask, you know, what what I do. Unfortunately, I didn't get any Jason Momoa comparisons today yet. So, my confidence is a little shot with that, but I actually had something interesting happen to me on the flight that's never happened before. Uh, I, I was sitting in the very back of the plane uh, on my flight from Atlanta to Vegas, uh, and I was sitting in, in the aisle, which was all good because I'm a taller guy. Uh, there was a guy in the, uh, in the middle seat who I guess just had open-heart surgery, and he had to stand up on the plane every 20 minutes or else he said he was, he'd was be in pain. Like, okay, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be flying on a plane first of all, if that's the case, but whatever. So he kept on having to stand up while well, every 20 minutes I'd be trying to sleep and he'd wake me up and then he had have to go stand in the aisle. So that was a little annoying, but the stewardess felt so bad, at the, you know, so bad for me because I was all scrunched up that, do you know the seat that the, like the stewardess sit in, like um, in the yeah. exit row where yeah. you sit to the side?
9: Yeah.
8: Yeah. So she offered that seat. She's like, usually we can't do this, but I feel so bad for you. Do you want to sit in the side seat? I'm like... That's a little too weird for me, so I ended up just standing in my seat, but that was the first time I've ever got offered the side seat where you actually face the window. <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's
3: VIP yeah. treatment, man. That, that is VIP treatment, yeah. and, and by the way, I don't feel bad for you. I mean, the guy just had like a heart attack or something recently. I mean, it's heart surgery. I feel bad for that guy. If he's got to get up every 20 well, minutes, fine. 20 yeah, but you don't hassle together. Cal I mean, Drogo have every 20 every minutes, 20 man. Minutes, probably
8: don't go on a plane. That's just my opinion, but. What do I
9: know?
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I I want you to make a stop into with those awesome looking vans that you have that are from like two thousand and six is you should stop yeah. by the shoe polish guy in the airport.
8: <laughs> I think you would probably charge me an arm and a leg for those. they will probably just throw them in the garbage if you saw. You know, so.
3: Bachman, <laughs> tell me, be honest, Bachman right now. You got a tie on, you're looking spiffy, you're
7: you're mm-hmm. you're your anchor man mm-hmm. right yeah, my now. Shoes need some
3: polish. And have you ever done the
7: polish? in I have. In the aer- have you done I have that? it? I love. It. I've yeah. always I haven't done it to very do often, it. but I have done it just to say I did it. You but, you like did. Right now, so there you have it. Was it awesome? It was awesome. Really? Yeah, it really is. Big tip. I mean, hopefully you, know, you can't not. You know, you got to tip. Them. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. See, <laughs> I got to do that
3: sometime. <laughs> yeah. See, I like to dress. I don't like to dress up in the airport. Once in a while, you get stuck having to do that.
7: Yeah, but I'll dress down and then go change or something like that. Usually, you have like the running shoes on, something comfortable to run, you know, walk to and from. Yeah, yeah. but you know, every now and again, you get you have to do a business trip or something. Speaking of style, though,
8: John, I have to ask you a question real quick. Hey, so John, I have to ask a question about Brent's style. Is Brent wearing, I don't know, like a gray shirt with some dark gray cargo shorts and uh, some aqua socks?
7: <laughs> aqua socks. You nailed it on the gray shirt. I was like, man, he must be watching on the live it. stream. But yeah, it's like light blue. But, really. it's, uh, but Brent, then he's got some uh, brown, like light brown shorts, and, and instead of aqua socks, he's got the flip flops on today. Okay, Brent, Brent. hasn't worn a primary color in 20 years. It's to me. Absolutely. A I think he actually showered though today, which is good. As from the last yeah. time I was in here, I'm fresh. I'm feeling good. I'm <laughs> uh, feeling very right, good. Hey Austin, I'm holding up the whiteboard right now. You know what it says? No idea. Every challenge is an opportunity. I like that. that. Oh, that! I tell you what, you're it's filling that.
3: are filling that role very well, right? Deep diving, scuba gear on. I, on a I did a
7: four mile run with my uh, an almost fourteen year old daughter today in the heat, Ooh and I was goodness. giving okay. her fatherly advice because that's what we do on a four mile run. And she whooped your ass. Well, she did. She actually <laughs> very much did. But for the first two miles, she she endured the slower pace with me before she left me in the dust. <laughs> But for those first 2 miles we were talking and I, and I forget what we were talking about. Oh, about going to high school and stuff. And and I just told her I said, "Well, you know, it's going to be hard for the first couple of days, but you know, every challenge is an opportunity." Oh, that's good so advice. Go. How how much how often
3: do you drop like the that this is one thing they're going to remember when they're 35.
7: You know, and it's I'm funny. Just, uh, well, I, even after I did that, I go, all right, I'm done. I'm done with your dad li- dad lesson for today. And she just laughed. Yeah. And that that was about when she just decided, all right, I've, I've gone slowly enough. I'm going to take off. I'm actually a big believer in that. In take notes, Austin.
3: All right. Okay, I'm taking take, notes. But I, I, I like doing that. When when I drop the kids off to preschool, every single day, well, every day I did. I did it a few times a week. And – When they got out of the car, I would say – this one, they were like, what, four? Yep. And I would say, listen, follow the rules, and have fun. And so it became a thing where Mm -hmm. they would just, like, roll their eyes. But I was kind of like, that's my thing. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. And so they'll even ask them today. If you ask the three rules, they'll even know. There you go. Uh, So – and I haven't really said it to them in years. Right. But I like it. Think about it, Right. right? Right. At that age especially –
8: I appreciate it, but let me ask this question, too. So you told me what to do when you drop them off at, you know, preschool or, or uh, you know, kindergarten. But what about when they come home? Do you ask them what have what they learned that day? Because I've asked my son, what, what has he learned um, at preschool? And for the past, I don't know, year and a half now, it's been, well, he's drawing pictures and playing outside. So not a lot going
3: on, on at home. <laughs> well, front. But hey, did, you, did you ask your kids as well? My kids are 14 years old, and every time I ask them a question, how was school, what is school, good. Good. Everything is good. And that's it. I have no idea what they've done at school for the last eight years. I have no idea. In fact, they graduated from middle school yesterday and I saw the principal giving the talk, you know, before announcing everybody's names. And I'm like, is this a good or a bad thing that I've never met the principal? That's a good thing, Brent. That's a great thing. Yeah. Man. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, until she was up there, I wouldn't even have known that she was the principal. Right. I think that's, that's a, a good, good th- thing. Th- yeah, th- I'll, th- I'll th- go with
7: good for sure. Principal yeah.
3: on speed dial. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> a good idea. Yeah, we already discussed that. She had the probation officer and the principal on speed dial. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, you're going to check back in. uh and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on the wrestling front in a bit. But your thoughts real sure. quick. We're, we're talking a lot of Leonard Fournette today. Do you think yeah. he bounces back, has a good year this year? What What's your confidence level in Fournette?
8: Yeah, I mean, you know, since the show started, I've, I've been campaigning that Leonard Burnett's going to bounce back and have a big year, and, and I truly believe that. Um, it appears that he's taking the next steps into becoming a professional. I mean, look no farther than either was he training in Montana or Wyoming? One of the yeah, Wyoming. The yep. States. Yep. Yeah, Wyoming. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what's in Wyoming. To tell you the truth. I mean, there is there is some skiing and snowboarding, but I don't think he was doing that stuff. So uh, from a from a perspective of kind of Eliminating the distractions, kind of focusing on himself, getting his headspace right. I think that was a great move, you know. And um, obviously, with OTAs, it's, it's kind of hard to tell exactly where he's at right now as a player. Uh, but but one would assume that he's taking all the precautions and uh, and, and all the measures to, be, to have a great season this year. But time will tell.
3: You're going to join us again in like 90 minutes. What are you going to do between now and then? Did you ever find a hotel? I'm asking you a lot of questions.
8: Yeah, yeah, no, you're all good, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Like, my mom doesn't ask me these so many questions. Yes, I found a hotel. Uh, I'm staying at the link, which is right next to Caesar's Palace. Oh, Which oh, is that's really nice. convenient because, um, so, like, the, the whole event that I'm at right now, if you hear people in the background, it's called StarCast. It's StarCast, basically, it's just, uh, it's like a giant convention. there's a lot of all wrestling guys here. I actually talked to Hangman page a little bit. Hopefully, get an interview with him later. Um, I actually just saw Allie as well that we had on the show, so I'm going to say hi to her quick. But, it's just basically one big, giant convention, and um, it's not only all wrestling people. There's people from the WWE. There's people from, like, the old-school era. So it's a pretty cool scene here. Some of my friends are also here. And, and get this, Brent. This is crazy. So Sting, you know, from yeah. the WCW days, he's doing a, he do, do, do like a meet-and-greet right now. You get a picture taken, get an autograph, and my friends are waiting with that right now. And uh, it's looking like a three-and-a-half-hour rate. Oh, my god. No, no lie.
3: Oh Three-and-a-half hours, yeah. I mean, so that's like uh, waiting for a Disney ride. I wouldn't sign up for either it one. Is, man.
8: <laughs> it's it, It's insane over here. It's, it, it's a very crazy scene. I mean, even get the credentials. $20 uh, we meet and greets for Austin through. Lane.
4: No lines, no waiting. <laughs>
8: oh, no, man. There was lines, Scott, man. Believe me. So when I got here, uh, we had to wait about 35 to 45 minutes for someone to come, at, to come up with the media people. And you know me. I'm pretty laid back. So I was like. I'm just happy to be here, but there's a lot of people in the media that were not too pleased, but what are you going to do, you know? I mean, it's a, it's a packed convention. I think they're probably at overcapacity right now, but but hopefully when I call back in, there you know, are some interviews to share and uh, stories to tell. I'm,
3: uh, I'm shocked that you just told me that. There were some cranky media people. Hey, don't forget your burning question, Brent. Yeah, I got that. Hey, how much money do you have with you to gamble this weekend? How much
8: money do I have? Cash. Well, I was gonna Cash. I was gonna put some uh, cash, zero dollars right now, zero dollars with the cash. I was gonna put some money on the bucks, but now I'm not feeling so confident with that. <laughs> That's
3: probably so a good move. I might not be doing a lot of gambling. If you okay, well, here's the deal.
7: When you go to Vegas, how do you have you set a limit, Brent? You've you never a, been. You've never been to Vegas, no
3: friends never been to Vegas.
7: Wow! No, but I've I've we talked that about this. That sounds like you should take the show road on the road.
3: trip. Yes, Scott. We well next year it's the draft. Okay. So Scott and I were talking, and I w- this is what I want you to do, and you don't have to do it now, but sometime this weekend, Austin. Okay. W- take you got to go get hundred dollars mm-hmm. and put it on black one spin. That's it. If you if okay. you win it, it's for me. You walk away. If you lose, okay. well you lost, and I'll give you a hundred dollars when you get back.
8: Okay, can I
3: that, though, too? I mean, could, I can mean, I, I, I put more down if we can expense it for the show. I think $100 is enough. And, that okay, will, and I'm uh, good. By the way, that I'll start putting that in a little kitty that will pay for the steak at Ruth's Chris there in you case go. I'm wrong. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. All right. Cowboy ribeye coming on up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Austin Lane in Vegas. Go get in line, sign some autographs, whatever you do. But uh, we'll check back with you in about 90 minutes.
7: All right, sounds good. Talk to you guys later. All right. Uh, hey, Johnny Box, don't go anywhere just yet. No, I'm just taking the headphones off. You got to go, right? No, I got or, time. I got got I I got, I've got plenty of time. You got 10 more minutes? Around. Absolutely. All right, stay with us because yep. I
3: also, I seriously do want to get a lot of people driving this weekend. Yeah. Got to get an update on those fires. Good news. Just a little noise. Good, news. good yep. news there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do that. And talk a little sports with John Bachman. Get him out of uh, his comfort zone, mm. which might be his comfort zone. Who knows? We'll do it next on ESPN 690.
0: Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and
3: on your smart speaker. Hey, we'll get back to Vegas in a little bit with Austin Lane. Good to check in with him and I don't think he's actually going to play the play roulette like in the next ninety minutes, <laughs> so we'll get an update on that on Tuesday. How well, about Vegas?
4: It's not like there aren't
3: tables available. I know. I don't want them to do it now, though. I almost want to drag the drag my hundred dollars out over well, the weekend. Well, have put it on the Jags or something. That's not a bad idea. Haven't put it on the Jags. I saw the Jags were sixteen plus sixteen hundred to win the Super Bowl. I don't so, know what that means
7: to be honest. I don't so know if you what are, put, put hundred dollars on right, you, sixteen hundred. You so went sixteen to one odds. Is that sixteen to one odds basically? Yeah, I think that's the way. It which would is work. middle of the pack, really. It's that's actually not, not
3: bad. That's pretty. Yeah. That's more respect than I thought they'd get. There were some right. people saying it was too low. Yeah. Um. Or well, too well, high? I, too high? Maybe. But uh, I don't know. Some people were probably saying each. I,
7: I thought that was kind which of means pretty it's probably good. right where it needs to be. Yeah, like Cleveland was like plus eight hundred. Oh, well, we're going to be closer to twenty seventeen or closer to twenty eighteen. That's the real question.
3: Yeah, and it could be right in between. Exactly. Yep, it <laughs> a- could be. All right, John Bachman, right. Yep. CBS 47, Fox 30. you got to go do the news in in an hour. Update us on uh, – we're going to talk sports with you in the next sure. five minutes so and yeah. then get you out of here. No problem. But uh, the the f- my mom called. I actually didn't even know what was going on, really. Wow. And my mom called. Don't tell them. me that. No, I didn't. Don't tell me that. Well, I don't go north. I didn't know how exactly where it was. Like, I saw the video and I saw – but I didn't know exa- how close it was. And so all my right. mom called. She's like, are you all right? The fire – you know, I was like uh, – uh, yeah <laughs> down in my house like i'm south of Jacksonville. <laughs> it's like i'm okay i hadn't been up by the airport or anything in, in recent in the uh, last uh, week or so right but obviously big deal shut down 95 north and south and now back open right
7: now back open that's the good news um the the fire's still burning they're still working to get it controlled uh contained rather i think it's about 600 plus acres and um the wind has started to Settle down a little bit, which is good now the, so they 've reopened ninety five it 's clear it 's good to go the 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 problem is it could settle the smoke could settle tonight as as the temperature's cool there 's some science behind it, but the bottom line is there's always that possibility that it could be forced to close again, but they're being extra careful because several years ago on seventy five yeah smoke blinded folks and and there were i think ten people died in a, in a nasty crash on seventy five several years ago so they don't want to take any chances. That's why they closed it last night, and um, and then now it's reopened. So things are things are better up there right now.
3: What? Uh, this is a busy travel weekend. Yes. So obviously yeah. timing not good there. It's about to get blazing
7: hot. It already kind of is. Yeah. yeah, this, yeah weekend this weekend is really going to be bad. But I yeah. mean, like
3: when Boris shows the the forecast, yes. now it's like it's beat red. Yes. On the color graph. Yes. That's so right. That's right. It, we have we don't really have much relief in sight. Is my
7: point? No. No, there's no rain forecasted for the next week or two, uh, no real rain. Um, and, and it's going to be in the 90s pretty much the entire time. Um, obviously, the humidity is what it is, but it's it, the air is dry and there's no rain in sight. And so these these fires could be more common for sure. All right. Uh,
3: you're a news guy. Let's talk some sports for a minute or two before you have to go talk about news. You, uh, you, you're a baseball
7: guy, right? I am a baseball guy, or at least I was. Yeah. Did you play some college ball? A little bit. Where? St. Olaf College. Where is that? That's in Northfield, Minnesota, about 45 minutes south of Minneapolis. And you're an Iowa Home guy. college, cows, colleges, and contentment. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's on the sign. It is yeah, on the sign? That's on the sign, baby. That is fantastic. Cows, colleges, and contentment. Look it up. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I thought you were kidding. I wasn't. I'm serious. <laughs> that- and, that's, and that's a fact. There are cows, colleges, and contentment. St. Olaf and Carleton College. Arch rivals in Northfield, Minnesota, home of Jesse James. They have a bank robber, a bank robbery there in Northfield. Very famous. Shootout. Huh. I've heard so of that So they have guy. Jesse James days in Northfield, Minnesota. How about that? Yeah. Interesting part of the country,
3: I there would you imagine. Go. More than you need to know. No, I, I, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Uh, I
7: grew up in Iowa, so big Hawkeye. Big Hawkeye fan.
3: All my friends, but a, a lot, lot of my football, friends went to basketball. Iowa. basketball. Like, yeah. Which
7: one did you guys like growing up? We both more passionate for because it's both. a basketball. I was a basketball player myself, so I didn't play. I played football when I was younger. I didn't play in high school, so for me, I was a basketball fan. But I, I mean, we cheered on the Hawkeye football team as much as anybody. I yeah. mean, you know, everybody says the the South is the football capital. You know, yes, it, it's probably not quite like Alabama football in that regard, but I always take their football seriously. Absolutely. You want to, you thought Hawkinson would have been gold, huh? Oh, I was looking forward to that. I mean, I can see why they picked Allen and I mean, certainly as a Jags fan, that was probably the right call, but I was hoping he was coming. So what, uh, you obviously have to cover the news a lot, but
3: do you, will you go home and watch like, an NBA game? Absolutely. Uh, listen to, a lot
7: of times I'll listen to the NBA, the late NBA game on my way home at night after the 11 o'clock show. By
3: the way, good tease right there. You're so good at this job. Uh, you can listen to the NBA finals right here on ESPN 690. There
7: you go. That's right. <laughs> and so I, I do that. And then if it's still going, I'll turn it on. Uh, the West Coast baseball games. Um, our good friend, uh, Alan Verlander is a big Dodgers <laughs> fan and yeah. I've, I've, you know, this, with this shift, it's easy to watch the, the Dodgers games. It is funny. We will often, right around 1120 when I go out there, The games are often wrap,
3: wrapping up. And yeah. so Tanika and yeah. Mike Burrish and, and you kind of, there's a TV right through Burrish's office. Shh, don't tell him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we kind of will be eyeing that during commercial right. breaks, right? That's right. And
7: we're locked in. That's often. right. Absolutely. And in the yep. NFL season. And in the NFL season or the college you know, college season, all those things, yeah. Have you ever, ever covered? Did anybody need help in any of your stops to cover? Sports, sports. Oh, Atlanta, a lot of, a lot of times. I, I, well, I believe it or not, I anchored the sports in Sioux Falls, South Dakota you on did. a fill-in basis. Absolutely, I ah, did. Ah, that was fun during the uh, during the high school basketball championships. They, the 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 actual sports guys would go and and cover the games. They 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 we carried them live, and and so somebody had to do sports. So I was the guy for that two week sp- span where I'd go out and shoot the stuff and my shorts and a t shirt, and then I'd come back and leave the shorts on and put the, the, the dress shirt on. Did and, you have a catchphrase? It. You know, I don't believe I did. No, I, I know no, boom no, goes the dynamite no, for you. I do either. not do boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> um, I, I don't recall. I, I remember thinking I should have one because that was back in the day. Speaking of boom, boomer, you know, he yeah. had a, you know, uh, Berman had all those great things. But, no, I don't think I did. But I, And I covered the Super Bowl when I was worked in Raleigh. And I covered, I have, this is my fame, you know, the Stanley Cup Finals When the Hurricanes won it back in two thousand six, I was there for that. I got to to hold the cup. Were you on parade duty? I did not have to do the parade. Really? I don't. I don't remember how I got out of that deal, but I did not have to do the parade. I was kind of disappointed. I kind of wanted to do the parade, but I didn't have to, so I was able to watch that. Um, But yeah, the uh, the uh, the Panthers in the Super Bowl in two thousand was that two thousand five when they played in Houston. Um, it was against the Patriots. It was one of the yeah, last, the, well, like last well, seven because that, that would have that was here. Oh five was here, so maybe yeah, it was in it was oh, f- maybe it was four or six. Yeah, when was it? Oh six. I think it was six. Man, that six. was a good year for for uh, Raleigh sports. It was. And then I went and covered um, some Duke basketball, you know, in in Raleigh. So I did a lot of that, and then the Braves. I covered a couple of Braves Braves playoff games. Yep. Um and and actually college football in in Atlanta a lot of you know championship stuff type, type stuff yeah and we go yeah no I we do a lot of sports stuff yeah, yeah. love it yeah I love it um
3: we we'll go do back to do news uh fact or fiction real quick yeah hit me um you have somebody that puts on your makeup every night <laughs> <laughs> uh,
7: this is a great this is no I I yes I do have somebody you're looking at him I put on my own makeup. So when I worked in Atlanta, we had somebody actually do our makeup. You did? Oh yeah, we sat in the chair and Get they, out they of here. and they sprayed down like you were Damn, like you were being I'm so jealous. I gotta go work in a bigger market. So I did that, but but let me let me tell you the funniest thing. Everybody asked me, "Well, you do your own makeup?" I say, "Yes, I do." And they're like, "Well, how did you learn how to do that? Your wife teach you?" I said, "No, my wife didn't teach me. My dad taught me. <laughs> That's my dad's... dad taught me how to put on my makeup. <laughs> your so dad was in the I grew up watching <laughs> my dad put on makeup. Is that is that is that odd? I don't know." <laughs>
3: <laughs> it sounds odd, but yeah, how long does. did your dad
7: do this? Forty years. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And where? Do, where? Is it, it, I, all Iowa? No. He um, he started in uh, he started in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Then he went to Chicago. Worked with uh, Greg Gumbel. Greg oh, yeah? Gumbel was a sports yeah. guy. In fact, Greg hooked me up when we were in Houston covering the Super Bowl. He, he was doing the doing the game, so I got some really cool behind the scenes stuff. That's with cool. Him, which Very was cool. great. I mean, he didn't know me from anybody, but I told I him who I was dad, and yeah. knew my dad. He was great. Uh, so he worked in Chicago with Greg Gumbel, and Jane Pauley was his co-anchor on the weekend. Really? The way, at WMAQ in Chicago, the NBC affiliate. How yep. about that? And then uh, from Chicago, he went back to Cedar Rapids. That was an odd move career choice going to say him. Chicago to Cedar Rapids. Well, it's a long story, but basically he was the weekend guy in Chicago, thought he should have gotten a promotion of some kind, I don't know what it was, and they offered him the main job back in Cedar Rapids, and so he decided that was the way he was going to go. All right. And then he went to Minneapolis, and then Minneapolis back to Des Moines, and, and that's where he's, he's. Des Moines was like 20 plus years. And by the way, Minneapolis, always, along with Dallas, two of the best TV markets in the country.
3: Minneapolis uh, is a good market. At least historically, yeah. right? Yeah, it was I mean, a good market, yeah. yeah Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of good ones, but yeah. I mean, Minneapolis probably people wouldn't say they'd say chicago new york la yeah. right yeah. dallas but minneapolis right up there always been good very stuff. very good yeah all yep. right go uh go do some tv we're right, gonna man. go hit a break but uh, thanks for stopping by this is fun we
7: gotta do this more often anytime austin's seat is empty i'll come uh, for Even a if it's, while.
3: it doesn't matter if it's empty or not it's just a quick walk up the stairs That's right absolutely you're in great shape you can handle it uh, <laughs> hey more to come we'll get back to some football and also a cool story out of nascar that has a little local tie coming up next on espn 690
0: Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jacks.
0: Austin Lane.
1: He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting
2: live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN 690.com.
3: Hey, welcome back on Action Sports Jackson ESPN 690. Thanks to uh, John Bachman for stopping by. I checked in with Austin Lane. Uh, we'll do that again from Vegas in just a little bit. Back to the football talk in a moment too, uh, with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, of course. But, uh, and some more Leonard Fournette talk. Gardner Minshew on the horizon. An update or two, Creekside in the state championship game in Class 7A, down 2 to nothing early in that one, so hopefully they can rally. Uh, I think they were down yesterday in the semifinal before coming back, so hang tight. They can make a comeback. And JU Baseball, playing in the A-Sun tournament, is now t- still tied 1-1 to with Stetson. And this is the third consecutive game now that's gone to extra innings for them. <laughs> They've won the first two. They're in the 12th inning one-to-one. I mean, that's a lot of extra baseball. That's a whole lot of sports right there. Yeah, that's a lot of extra baseball and a lot of taxation on your um, bullpen. So in in these kind of formats it will be really crucial, I think, for them to win this game so they get to the championship game. That's one reason. But so they don't have to go back through the loser's bracket, maybe play an extra game or two uh, with probably the way their uh, pitching staff has been taxed. So give me an update on those uh, as we continue on. But right now we're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR and a cool program that has a local young man involved in NASCAR. And call it an internship if you want, but we'll let him describe it uh, a little bit more in detail. His name is Leshawn Ely, and he joins us now here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN six ninety. Leshawn, I hope I said your name right. I think I got it right. Is that correct?
10: Yeah, you got it right. All right, good
3: deal. Uh, hey. NASCAR has this pretty cool program. It's called NASCAR Drive for Diversity National Pit Crew Combine. Um, it's the Drive for Diversity program. Tell us a little bit about how this process went for you. Uh, where are you from in Jacksonville, and and how excited are you about this this opportunity?
10: Yeah, I'm from the south side of Jacksonville, and um, it, the program is it's really cool because it gives you a hands on. It it gives you a hands on it look at the things that they're doing in NASCAR, and it shows you how to do it and how to be the best at it. So and it, and it, they really push you really hard to actually do this, do the things right, and do the little pay to the small details and, all, and stuff like that. But it's, an, it's a really good program.
3: It's a it's twelve collegiate athletes that get picked from all across the country. If I'm reading it correctly, and a six month program. How was this process? Yeah. How did you become one of the twelve? I mean, that's not uh, it doesn't sound like an easy application process.
10: Oh no, it's not. Ex- well the program is more about desire because you know, NASCAR is not really a big a big sport and people from my background is not is not a big sport in their in their lives and when they brought it up to my school and they were telling me about the opportunity that you can have and the, the, the way that the way that they integrate you into the into NASCAR and how they do it, how they teach you in the program, it it, it just fits, it just fits, you know what I'm saying? It just fits me.
3: What's the fit for you? Are you a big NASCAR fan? Was this an opportunity to get into something that you said, "Hey, you know what? Maybe this is for me, and I'm going to try this out." Give us a taste of of your approach to what you're about to do.
10: For me, for me, basically, it was when um, I went out to the school, and they came out to the school, and I did the combine. I you know I was I was already good at the physical part, and they were telling me that it was going to be a challenge. You know, I like challenges, and they're telling me that it's going to be a challenge to be able to because it's more, it's a lot of skill involved. So. It's a big challenge for me. And then when I came in, when I came in, I didn't know anything about NASCAR. And then they were explaining to me how 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 many opportunities they have for traveling around the world and being a part of these big teams. And it was just, it just fit. It just felt it just felt right.
3: So what happens from here? Uh, what's this next six months going to be like?
10: This next six months is a lot of training, a lot of hard work. That's that's basically what they told me. It's a lot a lot of training. It basically, you get out of you get out of it what you put in. So if you don't work hard, you don't get much out of it. If you work hard, you get a lot out of it. Uh, now, do you uh,
3: do you know these other people involved, other students? Uh, is this just going to be, hey, are you working together with them, or, or is this kind of your own separate deal uh, with what you get to do with, with, with this project?
10: Well, in the beginning, for the first six months, it's more individual because – you have to work on fo- you have to focus on being good at your job and then once once you get once you get a little bit better at your job then they start integrating you into a team integrating you more into a team like mentality you know what i'm saying what once you get good at your job once you get good at your job then you can start working together I got you that makes a
3: lot of sense um so after six months maybe a year from now whatever do you think you'll you try to pursue a career in nascar uh do you, are you starting to feel that at all or what?
10: Yes, I actually am though, cause when I first got when I first got near that tire and I got under it it felt it felt like I could be really good at it, Like, it felt like I really could be good at it the hand eye coordination that's the type of things I'm good at, so I think if i work pretty, work really hard, I could have a nice career in this.
3: Oh, give it. Give. What's it like? What's it like being in, in, in a pit crew? Uh, what's it take? Uh, you said you already got the physical part of it. Um, yeah. But I'm sure there's a there's also a, a work ethic part of it, a mental part of it. Um, you got to be quick at it. <laughs> what? Give, yeah, give it, take us, have us. We have done that, quick. man. You
10: have. What's What's it like? Well, first of all, you have to be quick, and you have to you have to think on you have to think on the run really fast. So you have to do everything really fast. And once you get up there, it's about repetition getting better is about repetition and doing it right is about you have to get that muscle memory down you have to it's all about precision so you can't rush through it you have to take your time get it and then once you once you start to get it at a slower speed you start to speed up so
3: now did you went to Alcorn State right yes sir and uh did you play football there or did you play football just in high school
10: I played football at Alcorn State I played safety
3: safety all right uh, how was yes, that sir. how was that experience um Coming out of high school in Jacksonville, going there, and and how was your career?
10: Oh, I love football, man. So any any time I get to put on my cleats and go in that football field, it's a great day. So that's that's all I can say about that. Football is football. I love it. It's a you, great game. You a Jags fan? Oh yes! Oh yes! Big Jackson.
3: All right. Well, give, break it down for us. Give us some analysis. What do you think is going to happen in 2019? You like Nick Foles? You like the fact that they got him? You got uh, Leonard Fournette trying to come back from a bad uh, year? Uh, give us a little, be sports guy. Forget about NASCAR guy for a second. Be sports guy for a minute.
10: Yeah, I really, I really like Nick Foles. I really do like. I really do like him. I know our defense is going to be good. I just, I just hope that we're going to have some receivers that Nick Foles can actually throw the ball to. And I'm really excited about the pick of Jawan Taylor, though I like I like him. I watched him at Florida; he was a really good, really good athlete, especially hey. at the offensive line
3: position. Very good, uh, good stuff. How much in this uh, to back to NASCAR for one minute, then I'll let you you'll let you go. And appreciate taking a few okay. minutes. And uh, excited for you. Glad you have this opportunity uh, in the 2019 NASCAR Drive for Diversity National Pit Crew uh, Combine. Uh, how much is a guy like Bubba Wallace talked about from a diversity standpoint? Um, is he used as an example? We've talked to him many a times down at Daytona about it, but uh, it's obvious it's a sport that the, that you know has more and more minorities involved, but not a yeah. ton of them. So, yeah. uh, is Bubba Wallace kind of the person that that people refer to all the time?
10: Yeah, well, they talked about they talked about him a couple of times, but more more we're talking about uh, Rocco. I don't remember his last name right now, but he was he was he was a pit crew member and he's been showing us around, taking us to the track and you know, driving us around and stuff like that. And he had a big splash in in, in NASCAR, so I'm I'm feeling like I can do the same.
3: Awesome. Good for you, man. Uh Lashawn Healy, uh from Jacksonville getting a chance to be in the NASCAR Drive for Diversity National Pit Crew Combine. Hey, I got a feeling maybe someday we'll be doing a story on you for ESPN six ninety or C B S forty seven and Fox thirty around the Daytona five hundred. That'd be pretty cool, right?
10: Yeah, I hope so. All right. Good
3: for you, man. Uh, Good luck with it, and thanks for jumping on with us for a few minutes. Uh, Thank you. All right. LaShawn Ailey uh, in a really cool program, uh, NASCAR's Drive for Diversity. Uh, We uh, wish him the best of luck. That's pretty cool. Only a dozen college students uh, get the opportunity. And they're from all over, by the way, Virginia, North Carolina, Pompano, Pompano Beach, uh, Florida, uh, one from France, Alabama, Virginia, Hawaii, Virginia, Maryland, California, Mississippi, and throw Jacksonville, Florida, right in there with LaShawn Ely, uh, who went to Alcorn State. So, what a cool opportunity
4: it. to get hands on the machines like that and actually be part of the uh, the process and the training, because that is a high-risk high volume high speed turnover job working in the pit
3: yeah no doubt the, the pit crew I'm, I'm getting a little more information on it and um the pit crew combine participants it says will attend the nascar xfinity series elsco 300 on uh, tomorrow at, at charlotte motor speedway so you know you get up close and, and personal with all this stuff uh which is a lot of fun uh as well so a uh, busy uh, week in NASCAR because of, uh, really, in racing, the Indy 500, of course. And uh, the Coca-Cola 600 is coming up on Sunday at 6 o'clock. You can watch that on Fox 30. And one other note, uh, and I wanted to get a thought from you on this, Scott. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but NASCAR Hall of Fame class of 2020 includes uh, Bobby Labonte, Joe Gibbs. You know, uh, football and NASCAR guys done pretty well. And, he's, he's done all right for himself. And Tony Stewart, who obviously is a car owner now, but was one of the bigger names in the sport for more than a decade—probably uh, some 15 years. Any surprise that, like Tony Stewart, already is in the Hall of Fame? And I had somebody ask me this, and the reason I bring it up: and do you think do people remember Tony Stewart for the incident on the track where uh, another driver got killed? Uh, Do you remember that from a few years ago? I vaguely remember the incident.
4: I don't remember the particulars of it. Uh, Stewart racked up a couple of
3: championship cups, didn't he? Uh, Listen, he was was one of the best drivers out there. Um, And also like a personality. He's kind of the personality that NASCAR might be missing a little bit. You know, the guy that can play the polarizing figure. You either love him or hate him. Honestly,
4: I remember him best from a number of commercials that he had done. Yeah,
3: that's interesting. I was curious to see, uh, just kind of like I want. I did have somebody ask me, that, like, "Hey, should he be in after that incident?" I mean, he there wasn't there was no wrongdoing, I don't think, on his part uh, in. And what they found. Um, now, there might have been a civil suit against him, if I remember Yeah, but do you really
4: want to define his career by a particular incident, a particular tragedy? If he's done so many other things, by all means, don't dismiss it. It's certainly something that's gone into his whole history and story. But that's by no means the definition of who he is as a driver, as a competitor, or as a legacy within the sport.
3: Yeah, and I agree with you there. That's the thing. I, I was curious just to get someone else's opinion because I kind of agree with that. I, I, I think it's part of the story. And things are always part of the entire story if you're interested. Um, but from a take that incident away, if you say Tony Stewart in the Hall of Fame, say, oh yeah, no doubt, right? That's going to happen. Uh, so it does not impact that whole situation, didn't impact my view of Tony Stewart from a Hall of Fame driver perspective.
4: Um, oh, no, by no means should that disqualify. Him. Yeah.
3: And I will say I said just said a moment ago, it is what NASCAR is missing a little bit. They need those personalities. We talk about this a lot in recent years. They need the kind of the old guard is now being recycled into new young drivers. Uh, Brad Kozlowski is this way in NASCAR where he is that polarizing figure. Uh, you don't have enough of them. There are too I, many, I grew there up are too in the golden young, age of Earnhardt, guys. so uh, well, that's the, thing.
4: the most hated driver on the field, and everybody hoped that he was going to take that checkered flag just so that they could be sure to see him in front of them because they damn sure did want him driving up behind them.
3: Yeah, Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski have a little bit of um, – Kyle Busch has a lot of that in him. He's very polarized, but you need more. You need young guys to come on the scene, but you've got to first uh, probably gain a sense of credibility before you can do that. Uh, but no doubt they, they need more of it. They need more personality. There's too much almost clean cut young guy in NASCAR right now. Uh, and good guy. <laughs> but you always hate to say, like, hey, you're a good guy, so you're not working out.
4: <laughs> you're not doing a good enough job. Can we, can we get a little scandal? Can we get a little incident? Uh, yeah. can we get
3: a little bit of a story going on here, please? It feels that way. And, and there's a lot of effort in NASCAR right now kind of going through this transformation and, and trying to, to find the right mix uh, of NASCAR, and and I'm all for it. I've been a, a defender. There's, I know it's not what it used to be. I Things change, but NASCAR can still be very successful, and I love the Daytona 500 and obviously Coke Zero 400 uh, coming up in summer. It's going to move, by the way, uh, to later in the schedule starting in 2020. Alright, let's get back to football. and we come back, take a break. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Rolls on. Gardner Minshew coming up in just a little bit. A little more on Jaguars OTAs. From week number one, next on the show.
11: Hi, this is Annika Sormstam, and I'm a World Golf Hall of Famer, and you're watching Action Sports Jacks.
3: And you watch Action Sports Jacks on CBS forty-seven on Fox thirty, and also right here on ESPN six ninety. Glad to have you along, listening in the car. ESPN six ninety AM, maybe streaming from work. ESPN six ninety dot com, but you can also use the video platforms that we have on YouTube, ESPN six ninety, on Twitch, ESPN six ninety Jacks. On did I say YouTube? YouTube is Action Sports Jacks, not ESPN six ninety. On Facebook, it's ESPN six ninety, and on Twitter at Brent. AS Jax, which will uh, turn you right into Periscope as well. So uh, you can watch us. You can listen to us. And you can see the lid that Marcel Robinson now is trying to still wear, even with headphones on.
11: I'm going to make this work. i I, I got to make this work. It
3: is one of the things about radio. Like I've tried that before. I, I was wrestling. Remember the cowboy hat? Yep. Yeah, I tried mm-hmm. to wear the cowboy hat in Nashville that you purchased. That'll be Have you worn the cowboy hat since Nashville? Twice. You have? Mm-hmm. Out in public? Mm-hmm. In Jacksonville? Yep. I went in my house all the time, too. Well, your house doesn't count.
11: Oh, well, I wear it out in public.
3: That's too. not public. I
11: wear it out in public as well.
3: What? I own it. Like where? I
11: own it. Uh, I don't remember where I went. I don't think I went to a store or anything. I think I might have gone to pick up my daughter from school maybe with it. And I don't remember the other time. But I know I've worn it out the house twice since.
3: Did did people start singing the song Uh, Once. You? Just once. Once? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like natural? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a given. <laughs> oh, wait. That's a- and now you get, uh, we now got shades ready. on, too. Now we're ready. I'm not so, sh- so sure Scott's aware of the shades, but...
11: Scott's, Scott's aware of my swagger. Every- everyone's aware of my swagger. He's styling know. and profiling, man. See?
3: Scott knows. Everybody knows this. Uh, you've been out at OTAs. Yep. All three days, right? You're a perfect attendance. I am. So is the sun. <laughs>
11: are, you, are you complaining about the heat? Uh, no, not really. I mean, look, we all know that in a matter of... You know, weeks to a month, it's going to be terrible out there. This is pretty much like a warm up, so it's actually not that bad, to be honest.
3: Um, it's hot. It's Florida. People, yeah. stop complaining. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's beautiful most of the year, yeah. and then in a couple, we're actually lucky it didn't get hot till now. Yeah, I true. mean, we basically had one hot week up until now. I think this calendar year, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we're lucky. But you know what? Suck it up. It's It's Memorial Day in Florida. It's going to be 90 degrees out, and next week's going to be 100. That's what happens.
11: I would rather deal with 90 degrees today in the next few weeks rather than – The negative temperatures that we experienced in Minnesota
3: for those four to five days. Oh yeah, that was not good. Mm -mm. All right, uh, what's your takeaway from the OTAs? Give me something. Give me something without giving too much. Um, (laughs) You saw two big. You were there for the two big plays. I was there. How how beautiful were the play from Nick Foles to Keelan Cole and uh, Nick Foles to Chris Conley for an 80-yarder? You said Mm -hmm. it was an awesome throw. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Jaguars shot that, and we'll put some video out there on Jaguars.com a little bit later. They might already have, but uh, two beautiful. Place.
11: I think that the play from Nick Foles to Chris Conley was probably one of the best throws I've seen on their practice field in quite some time really it was uh saying a lot tight spiral up and down the field hit Conley in stride and it was one of those where kind of everyone was we were alone you know the the end zone and some people were watching from the stands but uh, everybody's out their seat I mean everyone just jumped up Um, and the, and the Keelan cold catch was just as, just as spectacular because it's kind of one of those things we've been wondering, like, hey, where's, where's Keelan? There's been an APB out of him since the New England, the, uh, New England game. Yeah. Um, been looking for him and, and this was a contested ball, which is one of the things that everyone knew that he can get out in space. He can run under a ball, but could he make kind of the tough catches? And this one, uh, DB was right there with him and he snatched it from him. It's a great play.
3: Well, and that's what, the Jags, I think they've got a guy that can throw the football. And mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. Nick Foles is not afraid to push it down the field. No. He loves it. Not at all. And I do think they need more of that. They need the guy going to play 50-50 ball. And Chris Conley earlier in the week went and got a 50-50 ball mm-hmm. on the one play I think that was out. Yep. Um, and D.D. Westbrook talked with us yesterday about he gives you a chance to make the 50-50 play. Yep. And then you see it again today. So if that becomes a theme, I like that, especially if various guys are doing it. You know? Mm-hmm. The the guy that's been able to do it that most notable for us is Alan Robinson right. in a Jags uniform. I mean right. that year he caught seemingly everything to the point what where did we say it was like seventy five twenty five ball because right. he because he was coming down more often than not with mm. the, with the football. They need guys to go make plays like that. You need that in the NFL. I feel like we talk about it every fall and with the Jaguars when when they haven't been good, it's like you you turn the TV on on Sunday night when we're done with a a long Jags day mm-hmm. and all you see. Maybe it's Sunday night football. Maybe it's ESPN. Maybe it's whoever. And, and you see, Let this guy make a catch. Look at that catch. Look it's, at this play. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like we can talk about the quarterbacks all we want, but those aren't necessarily great throws. Right. That guy's going to make a play. Yeah. And so I, I like the fact that we've seen a little bit out of that and. You've already, I've said it enough. Yeah, I'm not putting too much stock in this. I'm not saying they're going to do it in September. Right. But if we can trend toward that around here in Jacksonville with guys making plays, that would give, I think, me at least a little more faith and confidence in this offense.
11: Yeah, and I think, uh, I was thinking about this earlier today because uh, guys that we had not, not seen make plays uh, have been making plays. Obviously, Keenan being one of the big guys. And in, in, uh, DJ Charks made some some plays uh, in the OTAs. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where I'm one of those guys where I don't take much stock in it. They're basically wearing, you know, shirts and hats yeah for the most part but at the same time you're kind of happy well you know not, not as stylish as me but at the same time you don't you you want to see them look good and it's okay yeah it's otas but you don't want to see them look bad yeah like if they look fair. bad in otas then you're really worried yeah that's uh, a good point um but along the lines of the whole playmaking thing i think now and look i mean we love blake we want everything to work i think there's a little more it may not necessarily be pressure, but I think for the guys that are lining up with Foles, I think there's a little bit more of an emphasis like this guy is, you know, Super Bowl MVP, he demands greatness, I gotta step my game up type of thing. And I don't think we would have we don't really have that with Blake just
3: because it was kinda, you know, you know what it was. Yeah, that's that I like that I like that take a lot because you got me thinking, and I feel like again, another guy we say that to like Seattle hasn't always had a great receiving core. You know, no, they I think haven't. Baldwin's good player yes mm-hmm. uh, no longer going to be there but they haven't had a great receiving core no not, not they haven't had the old Beckham's the DeAndre Hopkins they haven't mm-hmm. had those guys but it feels like they make plays for Russell Wilson they do and when you have that guy mm-hmm. that has an expectation and also isn't afraid to tell you about it too right. you know then he raises your level of expectation raises the standard mm-hmm. uh, and that's a that's a good point you know I I don't necessarily need the guy that's going to yell at you, right. like Dan Marino, mm-hmm. if you miss, or probably a Peyton Manning if you don't make the play. And I'm not sure Nick Foles is that guy. Yep. He's going to let you know about it, and you're going to know about it, just maybe not as vocally and loud and, and, and obvious as some of those guys that I just referenced. But I think you brought up a really good point. This this guy probably demands a little more excellence. He demand, We no doubt he demands respect and it goes back to my overall riding theme this week when it comes to nick Foles and jacksonville is this is his football team yeah it's nobody else's football team right now in jacksonville than nick Foles. yeah It's, it's
4: that point you brought up earlier again it's the maturity it's not coming out with bluster it's not coming out with swagger it's coming out with confidence and expectation but maturity that says you know you can do this. You can be this guy. I've been this guy. I know what it takes and I see it in you. You're this guy. Let's go do this.
3: Yeah. And, and uh, as I said earlier in the week, the last decade haven't had that because you've had 21, 22, 23, 24 year old guy on his third or fourth offensive coordinator, uh, that is still trying to figure it out. Yep. And can't demand that if you're trying to figure it out still. No,
11: no, I agree with you. I mean, it's just like, um, like we talked about when Calais got here, the defense elevated when, you know, Calais and we have, we have guys that, that come in here and say, look, if you want to get to this point, this is what you need to do. And all those defensive guys, they bought in and what happened? Immediate, you know, the defense is like, you know, the best thing we've seen around here in some time. and offense, we just had, like you said, we just haven't had a guy to come in here and be that guy.
3: Yeah, and uh, well, it looks like Nick Foles is that guy right now, and, and uh, what it means, we'll see. But obviously, a few good plays on the football field in the first week, including today. Two big ones uh, one to Chris Conley from about 80 yards, and then a 50 yarder uh, to Keelan Cole. We saw another Conley play earlier in the week. Uh, I'm going to check out Jaguars.com for some of the video elements of that. Uh, you should, too. I, I don't know if they'll put that out there. Some of the video they put out, some of they don't. Yep. I would think that's one or two plays you might want out there.
11: Yeah, I think that, that – uh, <laughs> we haven't seen a, a slow-mo tight spiral in quite a while, so that one might make the real. <laughs>
3: uh, fair enough, I guess. Uh, stop all the Blake bashing. Yeah, I mean, I come on. Blake.
11: I love Blake. <laughs> Blake's, Blake's my guy.
3: You know that. Uh, hey, how about a, a little more – well, definitely going to talk a lot more football. Austin Lane joins us from Vegas again at 515. Uh, maybe a little balling and falling. I, I, I have a question about the NBA that it kind of drove me nuts yesterday with the All NBA team. Two things mm-hmm. I thought were really strange. Uh, I want to talk about it for a couple minutes and then back to football. It's coming up next on ESPN 690.
0: Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter.
2: Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com.
1: You know, football is not seven-on-seven. Seven-on-seven is three-hits throw, five-hits throw. Real football is when you have to work the pocket, move, get hit, do all the crazy throws from, you know, bad hits and all that. But you want to always work on your feet, keep them moving.
3: Well, there's Nick Foles, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. And, uh, hey, he understands what this time of year is. And and I think that entire football team does. Um, part of the pacing of the calendar year in the NFL and – uh Nick Foles has to do that uh, along with everyone else. That uh, One other thing you can't... Uh, it hit me again today. It keeps hitting me about this football team. When we talk Blake Bortles, we talk about three or four offensive coordinators. Yep. Nick Foles doesn't have to deal with that. He doesn't. I mean, Nick Foles... See, I always talk about it in life. Forget about in football. You you have to be put in a situation to be successful. You know, if, if we want this radio show to work, we gotta be... We gotta be... We can do all the things we can do, but we gotta... Be put at least in a situation to be successful at it. Yeah. got the the mic's got to work, <laughs> you know. That, that is important stuff, for radio. Th- things like that, you know, in in any line of business in any line of work, if you have to, you have to have that collaboration, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a case at times in Blake's career, in Blaine Gabbard's career, they were not put in a position to be successful.
11: I think you can you can easily make that. Uh, claim.
3: Yeah, and finally, I think they were a little bit more in that 2017 year. Why? Well, because the defense was elite, mm-hmm. and because you had a running game. You invested in the running back, and and you had that. So, you, you gave him that opportunity, and also I think, I do believe Nathaniel Hackett helped that year, being the offensive coordinator, because there was familiarity for Blake. The one yep. time in his career in Jacksonville, he had some familiarity. So, it hit me again today, as we were discussing it uh, before the show, that Man, this guy's put in a pretty good situation. He's got the defense, right? He's got, well, a, an offensive line that's been invested in. A lot of dollars with the left tackle, I mean, left guard, Andrew Norwell, Brandon Linder. Uh, you gotta hope for some health. And, you know, they did some things at right tackle with Jawan Taylor and even some other free agents, so, a to name one. Um, but really that offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know if he's been put in situation to be elite on offense because I don't think they have enough at tight end. And I don't know if they have the, the kind of the guy they need at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying he's been put in an unbelievable situation offensively. I just think he's been put in a good situation, especially that relationship with DeFilippo.
11: Yeah, I think I would say that he's he's much better off and much farther off than any quarterback any new quarterback going into a new situation that that comes in with a new coordinator mainly because obviously with his you know history his track record with De Filippo he knows what he's good at physically what he can do what he prefers what plays he likes what plays he doesn't like and and he can kind of design De Filippo can come in here and design this offense Around you know, knowing those facts rather than, you know, an O.C. coming in who has no idea other than what he's seen on tape. Filippo has seen him in person, in practice, seen what, you know, his kind of tendencies and everything. And, and it kind of makes, you know, the installation in the process obviously easier for the quarterback. And even like someone like Chris Conley, he said when he came in that him or yesterday when we talked to him, that he has kind of these signals and his hand signals and his calls and everything like that that Conley knows that's kind of has him at an uh, not necessarily an escalator rate, but it, he's in a better position. It's not brand new for him.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's it, it, you can't understate those things mm-hmm. because of relative to what we've experienced around here in Jacksonville. Not we, I mean really those guys, but what we've seen. And, and it's just a different situation at the QB spot. And I have said it multiple times on the show, it's it's about as different all, going all the way back to Brunell as we've seen. It's a again, Garrard had some things that were good and, and then he also had a really good year. Uh and maybe Garrard is can be relative to what the full situation is now, maybe mm-hmm. uh at times in his career, especially early on, like that two thousand that those good years, two thousand six, yep. seven. Yep. But uh, it, it just hasn't been the setup for a good part of a decade now. Yeah. And the Jags are set up the best they've been, I think, at quarterback in in a really, really uh, long time. I want going to talk more football and a lot of football uh, along the way, all the way up until 6 o'clock. But I want to get a thought or two. Uh, I know you got to go. You're going to be at that uh, walk-off charities event, baseball grounds, on the NBA. Uh, okay. Bucks have a chance? I think they have a chance. Toronto's a rowdy place, and Drake is back.
11: He, he uh, uh, Champagne poppy is back in the building. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember, I think it was, I'm not sure if you were around, but we were talking at OTs on Tuesday um, ahead of Game 4 with Toronto. And Milwaukee. And I and I just had a feeling that just from watching the three games previous that if Toronto felt I said if they found a way to win and tie the series up at 2-2, I felt like Toronto was going to win the series. And I and I know it's kind of a I mean, you know, the two best teams in the East, obviously. So it's not like a strange thought. But yeah, yeah, it's not I a just, super underdog thing. I just felt like, you know, Kawhi having, you know, the experience Toronto's always been a, play, a team that has never had the playoff experience to get through the playoffs. Now they have that with Kawhi and i like Milwaukee they've got a nice team nice core nice reporting cast but they've never really been here and so i was just i've just been kind of waiting for the moment to get too big for them um i thought it was going to come in game 7 um but last night you you could kind of tell um and one thing that kind of really struck was interesting to me i want to say within the last minute they had giannis on the bench and they were kind of saying that you know he didn't appear to be hurt he appeared to be fatigued it's like Hey, bro. This is a <laughs> yeah. This is ma- pivotal. You know, you got to be in here.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think it was a little bit more he rolled his ankle. Well, the there. ankle I mean, too. I, I, I think that was it. You got a breather.
11: But if, but if you're gonna be my MVP, I need you to.
3: It's been impressive at times what they've done to flash toward Giannis. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a uh, a situation in that game. I think maybe it was like three minutes ago. I can't even remember. But I'm t- it was like they sent. The, the blitz mm-hmm. at a quarterback and a mm-hmm. guy who's got no chance. Mm-hmm. They sent four and a half guys. Like I think he was right about the free throw line on this one possession, and they just had four guys jump on him. Yeah, and he had to dish it. So it's a wide open three in the left wing, and I forget who it was. Probably Bledsoe. Can't probably make it. it. So mm-hmm. you got to make that shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if they're gonna splash four guys at you. And that's what they're saying. They're saying, all right, guys, see if you can beat us.
11: Well, I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not getting paid by NBA franchise for being a, a scout for any team, but if I can sit home in my, on my couch and watch this and say, look, all you have to do is just really just play Giannis, you know, he's, I mean, he's going to get his, but put a heavy concentration on him and make the other guys beat you because they can't. I mean, Chris Middleton coming down the stretch, he's pretty much their go-to guy. Like he can make the clutch shots, but I mean, Brooke Lopez isn't going to give you that, you know, 25 a quarter game and eric bledsoe is still continuing to shoot them out of games so if they're gonna you know get out of character let them be out of character and find ways to win and they end up turning into ways to lose
3: yeah no doubt i got two questions for you yep and we got to figure this out try to figure it out and uh from let's go casual nba guy yep who's the best player in the nba this year this year yeah kevin durant how the hell doesn't he make the first team all
11: nba uh, I mean, th- those those things are just wild to me.
3: I honestly. mean, how does he make the first team All-NBA?
11: I don't know. I mean, it's it's just like the same argument you have all the t- Like, the past, what, how many years is, why? who's the MVP of the league? Yeah, LeBron James. So why doesn't he win it every yeah, year?
3: But, yeah, but this one feels a little different even than that. And and I was going to reference that, so thank you for bringing mm-hmm. it up. But hands down, LeBron James is the best player in the world the last eight years. Right. Yet he won, like, the MVP twice or once or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And that one is – that one's – I still think that's a valid point. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. But this one even struck me more. Kevin Durant's never got more attention because LeBron's been out this year, had a down year, all that stuff. So Durant comes to the top, the forefront, and he's going to be the big free agent. Everybody knows he's the best player this year in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And even when LeBron's around, if LeBron was playing his best basketball, he's the second best player in the NBA – there are five guys on the All NBA team on the first team. Mm-hmm. Like so, who should he should he a bump ball, Paul George? Uh,
11: as much as as much and as, you're as an a, Oklahoma, I know, you're a City, City fan. Uh, yeah, I think so. But at the same time, I always feel like Kevin Durant's situation is interesting because yes, is he is he the best player in the NBA? Of course he is. He's he's the you know unguardable. He gets what he wants, but he still plays on a Warriors team that is the best team in the league without him. So it's kind of like. Uh, you, you yeah. I guess it's kind of, it's kind of yeah. a, a, a double edged sword because you want to say yes, he's the best player, but he 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 doesn't really. It's, some I've heard someone say he doesn't have to try. Well, he has to try. I mean that's what he does. What he does. But at the same, he's not going to get the same type of you know notoriety for what he does as if he played like Giannis is you know talking about as the MVP because he's playing in Milwaukee.
3: Yeah. Well, and and you know what? In a way, I get the MVP or lack of MVP talk for Kevin Durant mm-hmm. because of your point. Mm-hmm. But how can you not say he's one of the top five players in the NBA? I just don't get that. The other part I don't get, I don't understand this. I really don't. I've, I've, I guess I've just heard more about it in the last couple of days. Like, uh, Clay Thompson doesn't make the third team. Right. So now he can't get the Max Max contract, Supermax, but yep. he can get the Max contract, which right. will be about a $30 million difference. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've already found out that the NBA can't really, can't really crown the real MVP. Right. Yep. The best player in the NBA can't be on the first team, all NBA. Yep, And now you want my $30 million <laughs> riding on if he makes the first, second, or third team? Yep. I mean, what an asinine way to do this. Yep. Why I mean, is this done this way?
11: I, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I want to say that, I mean, it's not really a parody thing because it, it's all opinionated. It's all writers and everything that kind of sits down and kind of discusses these things. Sometimes I think a lot of that, you know, first team, second team, third team, that stuff gets. Uh, completely overthought uh, when they're picking these guys there is absolutely no way that Kemba Walker should be on any team before Clay Thompson.
3: Just n- no. Yeah. No. Just- and, and and by the way, the Kemba Walker th- Walker thing now is a big deal for Charlotte, right? Because yeah. of the max dollars, mm-hmm. it might give Kemba Walker leverage. Mm-hmm and obviously potential for a really, really big gun. I, I, I can't I even equate this to anything in sports, where, like, your all-rookie team, all-NBA team, your all-whatever team dictates how much more money you might make. Yeah. It, which is such a subjective thing when it comes to awards.
11: Mm-hmm. And I think, if I'm not mistaken – It's awards- actually
3: probably the stupidity of teachers being paid <laughs> on kids' test scores. But I, I I'm think- going to get political here, so I don't want to do that, but that's stupid, too.
11: Yeah. I think that the super max, it's it's very specific, um, and the qual, the, what you how to qualify for is is very like intricate. That not many players really even qualify. I think I think on, I want to say maybe like four or five people. I think Russ uh, Westbrook he got the super max, yeah. But other than him, like maybe three or four, maybe Steph, maybe James Harden probably got a super max. But it's it's one of those things where it's you probably don't really know what the criteria is. I was gonna say I'm probably
3: more ignorant to it than I should be. I gotta understand why that that whole thing. But face value, that makes zero sense. And yeah. to me, if something logically makes no sense, th- there's something wrong with it. Right. Uh, and, and there might be a deeper reason for it, or there might, you might be able to argue against for it. It, sh- it still makes zero sense.
11: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't really know how, how you really decide. I've always been one of those guys where the NBA first, second, and third team, it, it's, I, it's, it's all opinions, obviously. But I, first of all, I think it's wrong half the time for the most part. Um, typically the second, the first team is usually okay because that, that was what's that best player at their position. That's the first team, but the second and third is when it kind of comes into play. Hey, look, I love Kim Walker to death. I've loved you know his game since he came in the league. He just never had anything around him, obviously. But Klay Thompson is is probably the second or third, if not the best, two way play shooting guard. In the entire league. There's no way he should be not be on an NBA first, second, or third team.
3: And it possibly cost him $30 million.
11: Yeah. Now, I don't believe when they, not- they asked him, he said... uh Rings are more important. Yes, Clay, you got plenty of rings, man. Thirty million dollars is thirty million dollars. Well,
3: oh by the way, one hundred ninety million dollars is a lot of money too. That's instead true. of the two twenty one. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, <laughs> it's still a lot of money. It's a fair point. Man. Uh, but it, it, it was crazy. I, I was surprised at that. Yeah. I, I don't pay attention to the ins and outs of that, and it, it, it just really came up in the last couple of days. And I was like, what are we doing here? It's it makes, laughable. makes no sense. Uh, all right, we'll see you over at the baseball grounds. Yep, you will. First pitch, walk off charities, and uh, I got here's the good news. When Dan hits, mm-hmm. you won't really have to follow much past the pitcher's <laughs> mouth. But you okay. better have that extender on when I hit.
11: You know, I think I've had the extender on the past three days. So <laughs> I think we're good. Football, <laughs> softball, and, and baseball, I think we're, we're pretty much extended out.
3: Uh, we are loaded up. Uh, I have to send an email to the producers tonight. We need a lot more time. we got a lot going on local sports today. We're all over. I'll give you an update on the JU baseball game. Creekside was down 6 to nothing in the state championship game. We'll see if they can rally softball tonight. A little home run derby. Jags talk. Let's get back to Jags talking. Maybe a little balling and falling next on ESPN 690.
0: Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and in the TuneIn Radio
3: app. CM Punk joins us right now. We really appreciate you joining us on the show, man. Thanks for hanging out for a few minutes. Oh, no problem. As long as we're not going to talk about golf, and I'm, I'm here to talk about hockey, <laughs> my man. Uh, so, are <laughs> hockey players good at golf? Uh,
2: no, but, you know, you know. I mean, if you're a good hockey player at golf,
0: it means you probably haven't ever made the playoffs. Brent, I hate to tell you, man, but <laughs>
3: Happy Gilmore was not a documentary. <laughs> that was CM Punk and, uh, on the show yesterday. Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. Had a lot of fun hanging out uh, with CM Punk. Acting career, MMA, big wrestler, of course. Had some comments, by the way, on All Elite Wrestling and Double or Nothing coming up this weekend. Uh, talked a little bit about a comic book. New movie coming out. I mean, we had it all yesterday with CM Punk. He's, that was a lot of fun. He's
4: all over the place. The man is bad and nationwide. And it's just an example. You never know
3: who you're going to hear. You never know what's going to happen on Action Sports jacks, Yeah, and was we are a little we were a little curious. Like, is Austin going to run into him in Vegas? Is that part of the? Could that be a little bit of a turn? Because he was traveling to uh, to L.A. yesterday, CM Punk was. It was so. something
4: he could neither confirm nor deny yeah. and would not we particularly address, though he did wish a lot of good faith towards the uh, AEW promotion and um, All Elite certainly throwing out all the stops to make something happen this weekend. Our man Austin out there checking it out.
3: Hey, uh, looks, we got some comments on the Periscope feed and Tristan says, Axmen have their first game of the season on Saturday defending national champs. So, uh, I think that's over at UNF, uh, which it usually is. So good luck to the Axemen. Shout out to rugby. my boy Thor working hard on their squad. Ah, very good. You've got some uh, connections over there. A little bit, a little bit. Might be able to talk something up for him. I wonder how like football players like, like NFL, like Austin or somebody would be at rugby. It's like a different look, like, Rugby, to me, rugby players look more like wrestlers. You know, I'm talking like high school wrestling, college wrestling, not like WWE wrestlers. Uh, then like football players, you know, in terms of build and body. Now, the NFL comes in all different shapes and sizes, and I'm sure rugby comes in all different shapes and sizes too. But my mind has, the rugby I've seen, it feels like more of uh, the guy that's going to grapple with you on the mat.
4: But there's an awful lot of that involved because there's so much involved in the uh, tackling takedown, and there's a lot of raw physicality. There's not much to hold on to in rugby as there is with like shoulder pads and things like that. You know, it's. What you've got is a chance to grab a sleeve, maybe, and get your finger on it for just a hot second. But after that, you better grab your arm around that guy's hips or his knees, or he's
3: going to blow right past you. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, welcome back to Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690. A couple minutes want to do balling and falling. Five o'clock hour, we're going to hear from Gardner Minshew. Also, I want to talk a little bit more about Leonard Fournette and the relationship with Terry Rabisky and how much that could help Leonard Fournette in 2019. And we'll also go back to... Las Vegas with Austin Lane, and I hear that he caught up with the world's strongest man.
4: True story. Is that a true
3: story? Mark, Mark, Mark Henry, Henry had the uh,
4: record for powerlifting, uh, talked to, uh, I believe it was like an Olympic athlete at one point, and a big-time star in world wrestling entertainment. Uh, but yeah, I've credentialed,
3: world's strongest man. Ah, huh, so how about that? Austin actually is doing work out there. <laughs> Breaking news. All right, the balling for me. Is it's too bad the Bucks didn't win last night because Toronto has Drake, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that's a mixed review, but the Milwaukee Bucks have this chugging a beer thing down, and it's a lot of fun. Where the Green Bay Packers, uh, uh, David Bakhtiari, um, who's the Packers lineman. He did it like two, I, I would say a couple of weeks ago, this kind of started. I don't know ex- when the origin was, but it got kind of hot and going when he chugged. like The camera was on him and just chugged two, like looked like 16-ounce beers, right? And uh, then he points across at Aaron Rodgers, who's also there with Danica Patrick, and Aaron Rodgers was like, nah, nah, no, nah. I'm not getting into that. Well, last night, it became a real big thing because uh, David did it again. Chugged the two, pointed over at Rodgers, and Rodgers like slowly tries to to drink. It didn't go so well.
4: And then, Star star of the Field, uh, Star of Game of Thrones, but uh, not so much the Star of the uh, Power Pour.
3: Not so much, right? And then Christian Yelich was there too, and he did it. So I mean they've got this thing going with the chugging of the beer. I mean it's a it's a it's kind of a fun thing going on in Milwaukee with the stars. And then I think Matthew Stafford got into it right from like a bar uh, wherever he was and he chugged it. So he's got a one up on uh on Aaron Rodgers at least in the chugging department. <laughs> uh, so a lot of fun with that. I thought it was kind of cool stuff. So that's my balling. Now if they would only win and get back to Game Seven, yeah, I'm just wondering who else is going to be there. You've got Christian Yelich now, you've got Danica Patrick and Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if they just start filling up stars and celebrities in Milwaukee and uh everybody's chugging a beer for that. But can you do that? Chug a beer. Can I? Could you if, if they oh. if they had pointed if Aaron Rodgers could you could you outdo Aaron Rodgers? Oh hell yeah. Can you? Oh yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I I think I would have been more like Rodgers. I I, I don't know I, if I'd get I, got I don't skills, know if I'd get like skills. That. Um, I'm not sure I'm being like, I think I can win this home run derby coming up here in a little bit today. I'm not sure if I'd win that contest.
4: Yeah. I I don't know that I would do all right with the home run derby, but if uh, (laughs) if I got to put
3: a couple of beers away, I'm your man. I'm not sure which one's better. (laughs) Uh, well, probably. Hey, chicks dig the long ball. See? So maybe, maybe everything's better. Um, I kind of just did my fallen. And that was the NBA stuff. So I, with Barcel here, I uh, that I was, I, I don't get that whole situation. I really think Durant and and the whole money structure based on uh, awards and all NBA team is a is a silly thing. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Time to take a break. When we come back, let's talk more football. Again, Gardner Minshew coming up in the five o'clock hour, and back to Leonard Fournette in 2019. His relationship with Terry Rubisky. How valuable is it going into the 2019 season? Next, here on Action Sports Jacks, on a Friday heading into Memorial Day. Thanks for listening to ESPN 690. Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks.
0: Austin Lane.
1: He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting
2: live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Yeah, I mean, most definitely
6: because, uh, like I said, it's a... Uh, it's hard to make it out that city, man. And uh, for him to be doing what he's doing, he did it at a higher level for so many years. You know, I respect that, you know, and the same, I feel like it's the same for me, you know, making that one from I mean, he respect what I'm doing, and uh, the condoms kind of just gel together.
3: That's Leonard Fournette today talking about uh, his new running backs coach, uh, Terry Rubisky, who really hasn't been in that position in some 25 years or so, uh, coaching that position. But it's this relationship that is could be paramount for the Jacksonville Jaguars, could make it work on offense with Leonard Fournette, could refocus. Number 27 uh, a little bit in 2019. Brent Martineau along with Scott here on a Friday edition of Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. Leonard Fournette, Terry Rabisky conversation coming up. We'll get to Austin Lane, who's out in Vegas in just a minute or two. But, hey, it is Friday If you didn't think summer was here before, summer is here. Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you're getting a good start to your holiday weekend. Have some big plans with the family. Maybe some cookouts and fun. Maybe hit the beach or boating. And if you're doing that, you're probably doing it in style with a little happy hour horn at 5 o'clock on a Friday. Recorded uh, Austin Lane doing, you know, grab a drink, take a shot. Tip tip your star tender. Tip your star tenders. (laughs) Right there. Hey, a locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville, made in tequila, Mexico, and shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. For locations, recipes, and merchandise, visit com. Leave your troubles ashore. Live the island life with the citrus of the sea. Vita de Louis tequila. Drink responsibly. Be safe this weekend, folks. Have a lot of fun, but make sure you are safe in the car, on the water, anywhere else. uh, Please do that all right back to football leonard fournette terry rabisky this relationship how much will it work in jacksonville and here's the deal both guys from new orleans both guys played at lsu now listen this is some 35 years apart i mean it's not like they they were buddies in high school i mean terry rabisky's been around the block uh he said he just got rid of his flip phone last week so he said that uh and Leonard Fournette's obviously a young man, but if you heard at the top of the segment, Leonard Fournette talking about, Hey, we both got out of there. It's not an easy thing to do is to get out of our neighborhoods where we got out of and have success. And so that they have in common. Uh, they, they have, uh, back home in common. And that's a, that's a good tie for, I think, Fournette. Fournette needed to find some, uh, common ground it feels like at least after last year and and whatever makes you feel more comfortable makes you feel a little bit better uh I think is a good thing for a young player in uh, any professional athlete probably any line of work but any professional athlete and maybe in this case Leonard Fournette let's hear from Terry Rabisky get his thoughts on Leonard Fournette and that relationship
4: Insert technical difficulties disclaimer uh, here.
3: No problem. You tell me when we're ready and we'll, uh, we'll hear from Terry Rabisky. But I'll expand on it and I have no problem doing so. Uh, again, this is a revamped running back running back's room for the Jaguars. Leonard for that's the only holdover. You know, Thomas Rawls, Alfred Blue, Betty Cunningham, uh, Raquel Armstead, drafted. I mean, you got all these new guys. Terry Rabisky's old school. And... This was obviously a running backs room that needed a little bit more old school discipline, if you will, and not letting the guys just run wild. That's my take on it because they revamped the whole thing. They got rid of the running backs coach. And here we are. And so bringing an old school mentality bringing a little bit more discipline, and then bringing that common ground to the guy that's going to be your bell cow, the guy that's going to get the ball 80% of the time, guy that has to stay healthy and be effective, as you heard from John Filippo earlier in the show, is this guy, we have to have him play well. We have to have him play. And if we're going to be good on offense, it's going to be because of... Leonard Fournette. That's the feelings of John DiFilippo, Filippo, the offensive coordinator, and Tara Rubisky can uh, can really help make that happen for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know how much a position coach helps a certain player week in, week out, year in, year out. Uh, name your guy. Name like I think I think Keenan McCardell really helps those young wide receivers. I really do. Uh, I thought. Pat Flaherty came in with a pretty good resume to help the offensive lineman of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But now Tim Warhop comes in and... People are raving about him and think they they can get more out of this offensive line. I mean, Flaherty, in my opinion, was stuck with a pretty tough spot. He had 16 offensive linemen play, but they obviously saw something that they could get more out of Warhop. So maybe Warhop gets these guys playing well. I think the best, one of the best examples of of saying, "Hey, a position coach really can make a difference," is probably up in New England. The Patriots, when Dante Scarnecchia retired. They had some issues on their offensive line, so much so I think they begged him to come back, come out of retirement, be a part of it again, and, well, they saw success. So that's one of – we don't talk position coaches a lot, but that's one that sticks out to me where it's like, hey, that really made a difference. Uh, you know, Austin Lane talks a ton about a guy like Joe Cullen, who's a defensive line coach, and how those guys do make an impact. So I'm sure they do, but I think actually the Rabisky relationship – I'm not even sure if it has that much to do with playing football. Yeah, I don't think it has a lot to do with playing football. I think it has more to do with the relationship and getting to, uh, again, what I said is a common ground and, and relating to Leonard Fournette to put him in a better place year three, uh, going into, um, this 2019 season. Another, th- I don't think we're going to have the Rabisky sound. That's okay. Uh, we can, we can circle back on it next week or we'll be playing it on TV this weekend. You can see it there. Action Sports Jacks primetime on, uh, 1030 on Fox 30, 1130 on CBS 47. There's another scene today after practice with Leonard Fournette that we can hammer Fournette about some of the things, the maturity issues. You we can debate how, how great of a running back he is. I will say this, and maybe this is where he comes from. And again, kind of ties into Terry Rubisky because it's about the same place where they come from, New Orleans. And Leonard Fournette, he gets it when it comes to kids, when it comes to the fans, when it comes to his role and how he's viewed. He knows he's a star. He's a big name. He's one of the, I think, the two names that really transcend Jacksonville when it comes to this football team, Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette are are like national stars and I I, maybe you can throw a Calais Campbell in there we can start debating other guys now Nick Foles but I think Ramsey and, and Fournette have this star value to them that few guys have had in Jacksonville and he gets it with the kids and the fans we've been to multiple games on the road where you know he'll Run over during warmups and give a fan uh, an autograph glove or after the game, give him a cleat or whatever it might be. Just come over, and take a picture. I think he gets that part of it. And we talk a lot about the the things that Lender Fournette doesn't do well or doesn't get or bad decisions. He gets that part of it. And he did it again after practice today. I was right there for it. And there were a couple of folks there and there were some, there were some, uh, invited guests to today's OTA and he signed and took some pictures with these, this little boy, little girl. And the little dude said, Hey, can I have your cleat? <laughs> can I have your shoe? And he was like, Yeah, no problem. So he takes off his cleats, he signs them and and he gives them to him. And then he gave the little girl his gloves and he signed them. You know, he took an extra couple of minutes to do that stuff. And I, I appreciate that about Leonard Fournette. I think that stuff is pretty cool that he understands that. Now you gotta remember, this is a guy that's been a star since he was like twelve years old. Now, he might be twenty four year old twenty four year old Leonard Fournette, but when it comes to understanding his stardom, I feel like he's like thirty six years old. Now, when it comes to making good decisions, sometimes he's twenty four years old again. But I think he gets that part of it, and I think that's kind of cool that that he does. Well, he's he's using that.
4: a celebrity for good in that respect. You know, he's yeah. he's building a fan base because this little moment's going to make a fan for life. This is something that's going to touch somebody's life right there. But it also reminds him that he's not too big. To talk to people, to be a friend, to to come by and uh, give a moment back to a kid that's just staring up at him with wide eyes, and he's like, you know, hey, I remember what it was like to be a kid too. I remember what it was like to have heroes, and hey, you know, it's it's thank you for believing in me, and and here's a little something to show appreciation.
3: Yeah, and he, and and the reason I bring it up, a little, I have video of it on Twitter um, at Brent As Jackson. You can see it, but. It's not a one time thing with him. That's my point. I've been around it enough where he does more of that. It's not like a PR guy just came over to him and prompted him to do it. Like he took extra time. Uh, you know, guys had their time is their time, but he took some extra time today to do that and didn't say no. Nah, I can't give him my cleats or and he, he gives you everything. <laughs> I mean, and by the way, that turf he even mentioned it was pretty darn hot <laughs> once he took those shoes off uh, because it's ninety plus out there on the field today. So I thought that was cool and. It, it, there's, I I think we talk negatively about Leonard Fournette, and I've been I've I've done it at times. I mean, I, I thought last year was miserable. I, you got a captain, uh, uh, you got a C on your jersey. Last year was not a good look for Lord Leonard Fournette. I mean, I'm not talking about speeding tickets and suspended licenses and stuff like that. I'm saying on the field that 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 C on your jersey elevates you. Uh, you have to, you have to be viewed differently. You have to view yourself differently. I think. And that scene with him and Yeldon at the end of the year on the bench was not a good look. But I also have said, we don't give him enough credit for what happened in 2017. And 2017, in my view, if you have Deshaun Watson, heck, if you have Patrick Mahomes, 2017 does not happen. 2017 happened in a lot of respects. Early in that year, things changed because of number 27. And I'm not, I did not just say, so don't, don't take, this the other way, I did not just say this team was better off for the next 10 years having Leonard Fournette instead of Patrick Mahomes. I'm telling you, the third trip to the AFC Championship game in franchise history, and now they're in 25 seasons of this franchise, does not happen without Leonard Fournette. And I don't think you could have put any other player in that draft in there, plug him in for the Jags in 2017, in that singular season, and they would have gone. I think he meant that much to the team, that much offensively, and that much of a threat, especially early on for teams to game plan and have a weapon and take some of the pressure off Blake Bortles. And I do think he also gutted stuff out in the postseason. He toughed it out in the postseason. He was playing hurt. Uh, so it's not all bad on Leonard Fournette. That's my point. And I think we have to remember that. And I wonder where it goes. I think you're going to get a Leonard Fournette playing with a big chip on his shoulder – I think 2019 is going to be a big year uh, for Leonard Fournette and partially because he now has a threat at quarterback and also he has an offensive line that also has a chip on their shoulder because – That was a disaster last year too. So when you have a lot of guys hungry and playing with a chip on their shoulder in the NFL, I always like that recipe for success.
4: And when the coach is looking at making some adjustments in the backfield as they're looking at this uh, fullback situation or a third down guy, that gives you a little versatility. And if they've got some people they can rely on in that, it changes up the formulas for the plays that you can run. It changes up the rotations. If they get some effective guys in a tight end who can also function as receivers, then you've got an opportunity at uh, having a breakout receiver uh, deceptions there. So there's any manner of resources that can come in. And as long as Fournette's on the field, if you've got all these other things to worry about, that's an opportunity to take your eyes off of him, an opportunity to take your eyes off the ball for just a second, and that's
3: all he needs. Bottom line is he has to stay healthy. Uh, Jersey 2 Jack says Rubisky is a career-wide receivers coach. No good running backs coaches out there. Again, I don't think this was about the positional. I think this was more about relating to Fournette. I think that took priority, and the guy knows he, he can coach running backs. Uh, I think when you've been around the NFL for 30 years, you, you can do just about everything on the offensive side, most likely. And I think that's what they viewed Terry Rabisky. I think they found a lot of value in the old-school mentality, the discipline, uh, the veteran experience, and the relationship with Leonard Fournette. I think that's why Terry Rabisky's here. Uh, I like the idea of it. I don't know if it's going to work. We'll find out uh, soon enough here in the 2019 season for the Jacksville Jaguars. When we come back, we go to Vegas, baby. $100 on black. Just one time on roulette. That's it. Austin Lane in Vegas. Reporter on location. And he just caught up with the world's strongest man. Mark Henry. I'm intrigued. Gardner Minshew interview coming up before we end the show here on a Friday. Hang with us. Action Sports Jackson, on ESPN 690 rolls on.
6: Hey, everyone. Juwan Taylor here at University of Florida, and you're watching Action Sports Jacks. Go Gators. He he's crazy. I'm going to start out with that. He's a one-of-a-kind kind, uh, man, you know, uh, but he loves football. Uh, he takes it very serious, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page. And we believe in his his chemistry he's trying to build with us. And we're just going to flow with it. You know, me, him, and Nick, B. Linda, all the, all the guys on the offense. Uh We trust him, and he trusts us.
3: That's Leonard Fournette talking about John D. Filippo as he started that soundbite with, he's got a little crazy in him now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you like that in your offensive coordinator. Um, maybe it will mean some uh, aggressive play calling, which we think it will with John DeFilippo. Brett Martineau along with Scott here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We are awaiting Austin Lane to call back in, but he's probably busy working because we are going to have his interview with uh, the world's strongest man Mark Henry in just a little bit. But before we do that, Scott, while we hang on, because he could be tied up in Vegas, let's call a little bit of an audible. And how about we get the Gardner Mitchu? I can do that. Uh, interview ready. Because I got to c- catch up with the Jaguars quarterback, backup quarterback, third quarterback, fourth quarterback, who knows where he is right now. He's a six-round draft pick out of Washington State. And he's got like a, a, a just this folk hero deal to him where people love him absolutely love this guy and i spent some time during the interview kind of trying to figure out why (laughs) asking why and uh no disrespect just like well it's got to be more than the mustache i mean he's got a stash but if if people loved you just for a stash i think i'd grow one too uh here's my interview with gardner Minshew. You've been a little bit of a folk hero since you got drafted by the Jaguars. Are you okay with that role?
12: Oh man, I'm here to play football. Um, I guess you know people liking you's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but you know, first things come first. You gotta. To be great out here to do all the other fun stuff, too.
3: Uh, obviously, acclimation is not a, a, a new thing for you. You've been all over the place in your college career. What's the first couple of weeks like been in Jacksonville?
12: Yeah, it's been a lot of learning, um, getting acclimated, getting to know these guys. You know, one of the good things is you're with the rookies all the time, so you really get to build that bond. And that's been a lot of fun, getting to know all these guys, too.
3: What is Nick Foles like, a guy who's been through a lot of these battles, 30-year-old guy? How uh, How helpful? Uh, to, for you to pick his brain.
12: No, awesome guy. Not just football player, but guy. And that's the big thing. He's willing to help with everything, you know, on the field, off the field. Uh, great mentor, great guy to look up to. And he's going to help not just the quarterback room, but this whole team.
3: Is When you learn a playbook, when you learn a new offense, is it is it the same type of thing? Everybody talks about terminology. Is this feel a little different as you learn this one? Or? Yeah,
12: it's different. But, you know, learning offenses, you kind of have your process of how you do it, how you learn best. And that's one of the things I'm doing doing now, you know, just busting my tail every day studying, hitting the books. Got a group of rookies we get together every night, go over scripts and stuff. So it's been, it's been good. It's been a lot of fun.
3: This is uh, just a few practices. Obviously, it's going to amp up uh, in August. It'll amp up even more once you get to regular season stuff. But what's it like in the NFL? A bigger, faster, stronger? Uh, do you fit in okay?
12: You no, know, it's been awesome. I'll tell you, it's a lot faster when you don't know what you're doing. But the more comfortable you get, the more you understand the offense, the slower it gets. And, uh, I mean, I feel good. I feel like we've all gotten a lot better, even just this first week, and especially the rookies for me camp to here uh feeling a lot better a lot more comfortable
3: you obviously come through your senior year uh, or your, your year at washington state uh we saw you at the senior bowl you go through that whole process the interviews the flying around the visits Are you tired? Uh, Have you had a chance to catch your breath and recover at all?
12: Yeah, not much catching breath, but, man, you get so much new energy coming here, coming into a new place, uh, and I'm just so excited to be where I am, you know, so it's it's hard to get tired, but I know this is a long year, and she's going to try to keep that energy through it all. Does it
3: mean something to you that whatever you did worked uh, to get drafted? Uh, I think Tom Coughlin mentioned when we had spoken with him after he drafted you that that you guys kind of wowed him in the interview stuff. They really liked you. Does that, does that mean something to you, that you've been doing some of the things the right way to, to be able to get people's attention?
12: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, you know, through all my experience that I've gained, I've been able to kind of transform my process in the most efficient way I know how. And the things I do, i uh, just get better with more experience. So, yeah, it means a lot. It means I'm on the right track, but I definitely know I have a lot more to gain and a lot more to learn.
3: What's it mean t- to you, or, or why is it, that people – like you so much. Have you figured that part out over these years?
12: Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think my my unique experience going to four different schools, four different locker rooms. I think you pick up different things of how to go in as a new guy, how to earn the respect, and how to just talk to different people. And I think that experience has helped me a lot, and it's gonna help me in this next chapter too. So it's deeper than the mustache. <laughs> There's no doubt. It's way deeper than the mustache. <laughs> Is there a little pressure though to keep the stash? Oh yeah, it, this not even my decision anymore. Like the, it's it's 100%. It's on the stash. Like he's calling the shots, so I'm just along for the ride
3: uh, and you know there was a 15 around here that's from here yeah are you aware of that yeah i'm aware
12: i'm aware <laughs> Did anything go into 15 or is there something special about- um no i mean this is this is what they gave me and i'm definitely you know honored to rep it so we're here yeah uh one last one jacksonville probably a new part of the country for you mm-hmm. and you've been all over east coast yeah. to west coast
3: uh what are your first impressions
12: oh i love it man I, I like having things to do i like going to the beach i like fishing i like you know you can go hunting right up the road so for a guy like me i don't need the biggest of cities but no, it's a city i really like and look forward to growing in it good luck man yeah thank, thank you. you appreciate it huh? time Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew uh, catching up with him,
3: and and he's been kind of a hot commodity to talk to in the first couple weeks ever since he's been drafted. But there is a likability factor. I think Tom Coughlin kind of enhanced that a little bit when he said that he he was just awesome in the room and and when they met with him. So uh, I think it's a uh, he's it, it, an interesting story. I, I will say this: your first impression of Gardner Minshew, he's short now. He's small uh, in stature. He's he's six one listed. Whew, I'd be surprised if he's six one. So um it, and it's noticeable because the other guys all look the prototypical quarterback. You know, Nick Foles a big guy, uh even Alex Magoo, I think is six three, or might be just a shade under six three. And then Tanner Lee is a big guy too. Uh so it's it's noticeable. I think so far out that first week of OTAs, Minshew had a couple of good moments, but probably more bad moments than good if I was grading him. That'd be my, my guess, but that's okay. I mean, it's, well, it's That's, first that's one. the whole
4: point of this, is yeah. to find the kinks and then start working them out.
3: Yeah, and I, I just don't know where he will sit long term uh, in, in the franchise's plans. But I, the way I see the QB position for the Jaguars is obviously it's going to be Nick Foles, and you'll have a backup. Somebody's going to back him up. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's going to be Tanner Lee, although he certainly looks a whole lot better than he did last year. Uh, is it Lee Magoo, is it Minshew I don't don't think they're just going to hand it to Minshew and then someone's going to be an odd man out and off the team but then that other person probably can sit on the practice squad I I think you can put any one of those three on the practice squad and people aren't going to try to just take them off there and pick them up and put them on their 53 so uh, it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens this is a guy that's been a lot of different stops from junior college to East Carolina to Washington State uh, he, he's really fascinating. <laughs> he had a lot of fun. He, he doesn't even his decision like he has to keep the mustache now.
4: Like he doesn't even get a choice. Oh, he, he is the stash or <laughs> the stash is him, but either way.
3: I mean, with Shot and Minshew, uh, can you can you find two more popular stashes? It's a gimmick, man. We got to run with it. Uh, we got to get onto this thing. Why aren't we doing this more?
4: Uh, we haven't heard from Austin yet, have we? He's having some connection issues. I've got him on the
3: line here, and see if we can get hold of him let's, and get him, uh, get him this. going through. Let's go to break first. Can we do that and keep Austin waiting? Uh, so let's go to take a timeout. We got another timeout to hit. When we come back, we go to Vegas. Hopefully, if the uh, connectivity works, and at the very least, an interview with the world's strongest man. It's not Austin, and it's certainly not me. But it's next on ESPN six ninety. Brent Martineau.
1: You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter.
2: Broadcasting live from the Anna and Levine studio.
0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN 690.com.
3: Well, congratulations on a good run for the Creekside Knights softball team. They lose though in the state championship game to Lake region eight to three. Uh, unfortunately they got down six to nothing, couldn't rally back, but, uh, good season nonetheless. And also, you know, interesting note, Todd Wash, the Jaguars defensive coordinator, his daughter is a very good softball player, plays for Creekside and she is headed to Michigan state after her senior year. I think she led the city in home runs this year. Todd Watch's daughter. So a uh, uh, good year for her. Good year for so many. Uh, for Creekside, congratulations getting to the state championship game. Bid for the title falls just a bit short. Jacksonville University lost 6-1 to one in 16 innings down at the ASUN tournament. That just ended. So Stetson scored five in the top of the 16th. Now JU and UNF will play in a couple of minutes in the loser's bracket uh, someone's going to make it out of there and go to the uh, championship game, hopefully, uh, in, tomorrow, and have a chance to get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> JU Baseball, they played 12 innings in the first game, 10 innings in the second game, and just played 16 innings in that one. One other score to pass along, Trinity Christian is playing in the state Final Four in baseball. They are losing, though, 7 to nothing, uh at last check. Brett Martineau along with Scott here in Jacksonville. Austin Lane checks in from Las Vegas once again as he's getting ready for All Elite Wrestling's big event, Double or Nothing, out in Vegas and doing some work at the same time. All right, you got a good connection or what? What's up, man? Yeah, yeah, well, we have a good connection now and
8: everything. I'm sure there's a lot of people on their cell phones right now, so I had to find, I had to use one of my buddy's cell phones, but
3: we're all good and right to rock, Brent. So this is a huge event for All Elite Wrestling. Do you think... You you explained to us when you you got on with us earlier in the show, there were a lot of people on the plane when you landed. There were people in the airport. You can tell the All Elite Wrestling fans are out there at this event. You think this is off to a good start in terms of how big of an event this is going to be?
8: Oh, it's, it's an absolute great start. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, you know, it's funny because you think of Vegas and it's, it's like the bachelor party and the bachelorette party destination. And those people are here too, but this is the first time I've been to Vegas. I've been here about five times now where I've seen wrestling shirts. I've seen the all elite wrestling shirts. I've seen the Chris Jericho shirts. I've seen the Kenny Omega shirts. I've seen the, I've seen the young Buck shirts. So it's kind of a cool scene to see in Vegas because it's not something you see every single day. Right. So, uh, it's kind of a, different change of pace I think for Las Vegas but it, but it's a really cool thing to to to, to witness here.
3: Yeah, that's uh, good stuff and and you got big names because of this star cast which is totally different than the AEW double or nothing it was it obviously was planned to coincide with this though, right?
8: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So basically what StarCast is, it's just one giant convention. Now, it is featured by all the All Elite Wrestling wrestlers. Um uh There's, there's going to be a weigh-in tonight. Actually, I want to touch on the weigh-in a little bit here, Brent, too, because I kind of have a little prediction, and, I, and I'm trying to find uh, Tony Khan here because I think Tony Khan is about to do something here with this business um that we haven't seen in a long time. So we'll touch on that a little bit. But getting back to StarCast real quick, it, it, it is a giant convention. So you see wrestlers from every era. uh You see the All Elite Wrestling wrestlers. You see... Um, you see guys from the WWE as well. I got an interview with Mark Henry. Uh, I spoke with Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. Um, I talked to our friend, the Demon Bunny Alley. She, she gave us a great interview as well. So we'll share that later. Uh, so overall, pretty good first day so far.
3: So, all right. Well, you, you teased a little bit. What are you talking about I with did. Tony Khan and what are you, what yeah, are you smelling well, here? Well, yeah. So I want to talk to him because no one's really mentioned
8: this yet. Um, and even people that I've talked to, the fans of, of, of all elite wrestling haven't really mentioned it, but, um, kind of a trend that I've been seeing from all the wrestlers from AEW is, uh, they're all working out, but they're all, uh, it seems like they're all trying to cut weight. You know, um, even in their, some of their hype videos and everything, it, it shows them talking about cutting weight and getting into shape. Um, we had Hangman Page in the studio and he was very adamant about that. And with the weigh-ins here, you don't traditionally see weigh-ins for professional wrestling, right? So what I think's, uh, gonna be announced here maybe tomorrow or maybe down, down the line, we'll see. But I think what they're gonna actually have is they're gonna have weight division. So there's actually gonna be, um weight classes for, 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 people to wrestle in. You know, so there's gonna be like a heavyweight division. There's gonna be a middleweight division. And I think what they're gonna actually gonna end up doing is having these face-offs, having these weigh-ins, and if the guys don't make weight, they may not wrestle.
3: Huh. Uh, you like the idea of it?
8: Uh, I, th- I think it's different. No, I think it's unique. Um, I think it holds the wrestlers accountable. So uh, I'm all for it. And you got to keep in mind too, Brett, Here, this is a uh, all elite wrestling where every every win or loss is going to count on your record. You know, I mean, traditionally professional wrestling. Is- you could win one week you could lose the next week and it didn't really count for anything but what, what, what Tony Khan's trying to do is he's trying to make those wins and losses count. So what I see happening too is you know making the weigh-ins count and the uh holding guys accountable as well.
3: There's going what other twists are we going to see in this wrestling? I heard some like it, will will Tony take his analytic background and, and kind of what he's done with Jaguars and putting that into use. Did I hear yeah. some numbers sure. and stats and and those kind of things that will be pretty evident uh uh in, when we watch all elite wrestling?
8: Absolutely. So I think the you know the, the biggest thing that Tony has done is it's his connections in, in England. You know, whether it's it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's the Fulham Football Club. Um he has connections over there. What ended up happening is is that he got the exclusive rights for their T V company and I can't remember what channel it is. Um oh I'm sorry, it's gonna be ITV. Uh, and basically what I T V is, it's it's kinda of like the equivalent to NBC in the United States. So for ITV to pick up the all Elite wrestling um, stuff is it's huge in you know in the in the country of England because now I mean that's that's like being on ABC it's like being on CBS now it's on TNT in the states which is still big you know because I mean with, with Americans we we watch a lot of television so it's not that big a deal but to have uh, to have that in England you know to have that overseas it's huge because the WWE for a long time was trying to get that deal and they couldn't get it done well, Tony Khan enters and hasn't even had a a pay-per-view match, hasn't even had a on TV match yet. And all Wrestling's already in England. So it's a, it's a major step going forward.
3: All right. Set up this uh, interview that we have with Mark Henry. That's kind of cool. You caught up with him. If you arm wrestled Mark Henry, how quick would he beat you? You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to front Brendan, but the guy is
8: still big. Um, I'll show you some pictures later, but, uh, I don't want any of those problems. And we'll actually get into it a little bit too. So Mark Henry is a guy that I, I grew up watching and everything. Uh, he's the world's strongest man. Uh, he, he's an Olympian in terms of weightlifting. So he is quite the specimen. We talk about his weightlifting career a little bit. Um, I kind of asked him about playing, why did he play football instead of wrestling? Because you see the guy, Brad, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that, that's, that's a nose tackle right there. <laughs> I mean, Marcel Darius uh, reincarnated, basically, right? So, um, so I asked about that a little bit, and we talked talk some wrestling. It was a pretty cool interview.
3: Oh. hello. hi, uh, We're getting to it. Oh, yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. with Okay. Blame that damn producer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did a good job, it Lane up Austin
8: Lane here for ESPN six ninety, joined by the world's strongest man mark henry how you doing man i'm doing great man how are you i'm doing great i I just got
13: in so i'm probably doing a little better than you right now you've probably been here all day right you know what i started pretty early about seven o'clock you know i do a busted open radio and we had our breakfast with the buffet we we had our breakfast buffet with with all the fans at uh sirius xm
8: i got you i got you so i got to ask you man i mean you you grew up in the powerlifting game. Uh, I spent five years in the NFL. Okay, and and I see you and, and I see your frame, and I'm like, how did this guy ever play football, or how, how did you make it to to the NFL? I mean, was it just more of the wrestling career path for you, or what what, what was the decision there?
13: Well, I had to choose it was it going to be football? I was the best in the world in powerlifting, and I had started doing Olympic weightlifting, and the Olympic committee said, wow, we we really would like for you to move to Colorado Springs, we think that with a little focus on lifting that you can make the Olympic team uh, in 92, and they were right, you know, so once I got a little taste of that international, it's all about you, uh, I, ch- I just chose that over football because that's, that's where my, um, where my bread was buttered.
8: Fair enough, fair enough, and growing up, you were a huge Andre the Giant fan, he was kind of like an inspiration to you, I mean, can you just kind of talk about a little bit uh, how much Andre the Giant just not only meant to you, but to the sport of wrestling itself?
13: Well, Andre was an icon, he was one of those guys that was pretty hard not to, you know, see and get his attention, get your, you know, to have your attention fixated on him. Um, As a little kid, he was, you know, larger than life as it is, but to a little kid we look like giants imagine what Andre would look like so um yeah I, I latched on to him pretty tight and uh he was one of my favorites
8: uh what are you up to now because my one of my favorite moments of you was uh your fake retirement with John Cena where you faked it and then you ended up uh, slamming him I mean dude you should have won an Oscar off that whole thing alone I mean are you doing a lot of acting now because I feel like you'd be great at it
13: I'm doing I'm doing some acting i I'm, I'm enjoying that too' it's, it's a lot of fun it's challenging uh, also like you know food shows and you know you name it i'm I'm out there trying to do it it's especially if it, it falls in the in the mark henry wheelhouse fantastic I have one last question for you are you gonna go to the event tomorrow you know what I'm, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, I got a, a late afternoon flight, but if I can change it, then I may stay.
8: Sounds good. Austin Lane here reporting uh, from from the man of the, the the Hall of Pain, Mark Henry. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All
3: right, thank you. Ah, right, there it is, Austin Lane uh, with Mark Henry, World Strongest Man. I was I was hoping that you would challenge him to something, but. Uh, Nope. Nope. Sure, sure wasn't Brent. I'm kind of famished. I haven't eaten about, I don't know, four or five hours. So uh, I was going to leave the giant beef. <laughs> he is a big, big <laughs> man. Um, yeah. Hey, That's one thing you haven't ventured into. Maybe you should do like World strongest man type of stuff.
8: No man I mean I've if you ever watched Game of Thrones, a guy by the name of a mountain, I think won it last year, and uh seeing the kind of weight that he was moving around, I don't even come close to that, so i I'm gonna let those big strong guys have that um uh my ego's not that big
3: all right give <laughs> us uh before we let you go what's what's next now? what do you do the rest of the night yep. and uh it's a yeah. long day for you, but what do you do the rest of the night and heading into tomorrow's big double or nothing event in Vegas, yeah.
8: Yeah, so uh, I kind of said something out of your book, Brent. I've been scouting locations. So tonight we have the weigh-ins, and you know that's going to be the double or nothing weigh-ins going on tonight, and then a little press conference after. Hopefully I can talk to uh, Hangman Page, kind of get a feel if he's going to actually wrestle tomorrow or not, because I spoke with him a little bit today, and... He didn't seem mad at him about his actually being able to wrestle because his opponent, Pac, ended up backing out, um, a few weeks ago. So, uh, will, will Hank Manpage wrestle? Who are going to be the bigger stars that haven't been announced yet? We shall see. Um, and then I'm really excited to share my interview with Ken Shamrock, too. This is a guy who was at UFC one, with the original UFC, you know, that they call him the world's dangerous man for a reason. Um, he had a little stint in the, in professional wrestling as well. And just hearing his, um, you know, hearing how he had to work at professional wrestling, because you have a guy who fought in the UFC who everyone was afraid of, but when it came to wrestling, because that was his second career, he still had to pay his dues. You know, like the locker room didn't accept him right away, even though he did MMA. So hearing him talk about what he had to go through, to I guess to try to gain the wrestler's respect, is a pretty cool story. So I can't wait to share that one as well.
3: All right, that'll be good stuff when you come back and uh, tell us all about it on Tuesday. We uh, we have a shortened show on Monday Uh, Be kind of more of a best of they can check out on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. But Tuesday back in the saddle three to six as we close in on our one hundredth show. Hey, real quick before you bounce
4: out, Austin, do you have any predictions for the show this week?
3: Any predictions for
8: the show? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, I'm not gonna break down because it's a giant card, but I think Jericho uh, is gonna actually beat Kenny Omega, which could be somewhat of an upset. I like Cody Rhodes against Dustin Rhodes. Um, I think Britt Baker wins the triple threat. Um, the, 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 the one that's, the, the one that's hard to uh, kind of decide on is, is the battle Royal? Uh, it's, it's a casino battle Royal. And um, that one, MJS possibly, but it's hard to pick a guy there. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Joy Janela as well, but uh, that's probably all I got for the predictions, because there's gonna be surprises. There's gonna be uh, surprise contestants, so I could, I could sit here and, um, you know, kind of break it down all day. And another one, too, is obviously the Lucha Brothers and then the Young Bucks as well. I think the, the Lucha Brothers are gonna take that
3: one, too, so we'll see. Hey, uh, how about this? What's the uh, CM Punk show up or no? What are the odds of that? You know, um, we we talked to him yesterday,
8: Brent, and he, he well, supposedly he's in LA, you know, so he's, he's calling a, an MMA event. Um, there is a little hype around everyone saying that that could be a possibility. John Moxley formerly known as Dean Ambrose is another possibility. Uh, I mean, if I see CM Punk, man, I might, I'm going to have to go up to him and say, like, "Hey, man, you could have gave us a little something yesterday." But uh, you know, but we shall see, man. It's gonna it's gonna be exciting for sure. It Doesn't
3: matter if he's in L. A. The cons do have a private jet or two, so <laughs> that's a uh, that yeah. part's not, not that's not uh, a stopper for that. Uh, odds of Brent winning the home run derby are they out in Vegas? Can you put money on me? You know what? So, so, so I was talking to people, and um, it's funny you should say
8: that. So I ended up going to the Caesar Sportsbook, looked you up, and I'm going to be honest, Brent, you're second right now. Taven Bryan coming in at even money actually. Wow, even, even money, money on Taven Bryan right now. All right. Uh, yeah, is, is, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to it's hard to argue. He, he's an athlete. He's a Midwest guy, like I've been saying, Brent. So don't take him lightly, please.
3: I will not do it. Uh, and one last one for you. i are going to go back to football to end it. Because Kuz asked sure. this question the other day. We never got to it. We talked about Nick Foles a lot this week, and he looked good out there again today. But do you, as a player, uh, and mm-hmm. and speak for the players, do you like the rah-rah quarterback? The guy that's going to yeah. get in your face, you know? Or do you like the laid-back, cool-as-a-cucumber, sipping-on-coffee kind of guy? Uh, which one would you rather play mm-hmm. with? That's a great question. Are you sure that actually came from Coos? I know. That's I actually a really good question. I was shocked, too. He had two really good questions this week, so I wanted to make sure I got to it. Coos on fire. So, you know, I, I'm
8: okay, I'm going to compare it like this. Obviously, I didn't play a lot of offense. I mean, I played in high school, but in college and the NFL, didn't play on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, you're talking middle linebackers. I mean, you know, and I've said it before on the show, when you're playing defense, it takes a special type of player because it's all about intensity. It's raw motion, It's all about read and react and go downhill. I think the offensive side of the ball is a little different, Brent. And I, I'm going to compare it like this. Imagine you're a kid or – uh, imagine you, your kids are waking up to go to school, okay? And I'm going to ask you this question. If, if you're a parent and you wake your kids up to go to school, the, the, you know, they're waking up, they're tired, they're a little groggy, are you going to get in their face and yell at them and say, get up, or are you going to kind of softly ease them into getting up?
3: Um, I feel like my wife is more the getting maybe, in your face. Maybe you're the wrong person to ask. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, the, uh, I'm actually the more like I ease them getting up. I really do. Because yeah. I don't want them yeah. uh, waking up yelling at me. Yeah, exactly because I feel like and this is kind
8: of what I'm comparing like when you're in that huddle if a play goes your way if it doesn't go your way I mean there's um there's a sense of, I don't want to say nervousness, but, you know, sometimes if you, if you mess up on a player, there's a sense of uneasiness, kind of like getting up in the morning as a kid. And if your mom came in the room, if your dad came in the room and yelled at you said, get up, we got to go right now, what are you going to do? You, you're going to panic and you're going to, um, you're probably not going to play at the best on the field cause it's kind of the same thing, right? Whereas opposed to if you're sleeping as a kid in the bed and all of a sudden your mom kind of eases you up and goes, like, hey, us, time to get up or we have to go to school now. Like, if you hear those kind of soothing words a little bit, I think the reinforcement makes it where it's almost like reassuring, right? Like you almost want to wake up now. You're, you're not panicking. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make a mistake. You're not gonna struggle. And I think the football field is actually the same thing, where if you have a guy that makes a mistake out there and you chew him out, I mean, yes, that's the coach's job. But if you're the quarterback, if you're the general of that team, it's all about keeping guys balanced. You can't be up too high. You can't be up too low. So to answer your question, or actually to answer Kuz's question, I would say I'd prefer a quarterback to be a little more chill and laid back.
3: Ah, very interesting. That is an analogy that uh is one I never thought you'd get to. That was a wild analogy, but I also think it makes you've just made every single person question their parenting skills.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, do you see
3: where I'm coming from? Though, no, I no, I, th- I thought it was a good yeah. analogy. Like I'm liking it. Okay, I'm kind of, I'm absorbing it. I'm actually thinking about it. I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah I, 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 I get it. Yeah. I get it. And. uh I kind of like it. But we talked about earlier in the show, too, Scott and I were saying, and Marcel stopped by. I said, you do want that. you got to know that that guy also is going to get kind of pissed off and, and hold you accountable because you want to play to that standard. you know. And that's something that Foles brings yeah. that really the last couple of guys haven't been able to bring because they were just worried about playing up to whatever standard they were supposed to be trying to play up to. I think Foles comes in here with a standard. And that automatically mm-hmm. makes receivers, I think, step up and play well. Like I, I always say it about Brady, and I brought up Russell Wilson, that those receivers go make plays for those guys because they don't want to let the QB down.
8: Yeah, ex- exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, it's about being accountable. I mean, we talked about Peyton Manning, I think it was yesterday, where Peyton Manning wasn't necessarily the easiest teammate to get along with because he had just such high standards. But when you go on that field, you knew he was going to win. Um, But at the same time, I think if you have a quarterback who's chewing you out all the time in practice, because you have to remember, Brent, like say say you're a wide receiver, you you drop a ball in practice, you have a quarterback that chews you out, that's kind of showing erratic behavior. What happens when that guy goes to the sideline? The coach is going to chew him out as well. So now you're almost getting like, double duty of like getting chewed out yeah, yeah. You know, i mean the same thing sometimes happens on defense so i think from that perspective you know getting chewed out twice on one play by number one the quarterback and number two the coach uh that, that can definitely hurt somebody's confidence
3: austin lane from las vegas first ever report on the road from vegas here on action sports Shacks on espn 690 have a good weekend travel safe have some fun out there do some work We'll do. And, and by the way hey, hey, Brent, i I, I have one more question for you. What?
8: You said put $1,000 on black, right? $100. 100 $100,000. $100,000. $100. No. $100, okay. 100,
3: if $100 you Are you going to me I'll Venmo it to you. Are you going to PayPal me? That, gonna, I'll Venmo, you, it, to me? <laughs> I'll Venmo okay, it to you. sounds good. All right. Appreciate nope. it. Or I'll have it sitting <laughs> here, right here when you get here on <laughs> yeah. Tuesday. Although we know what's going to happen. Somebody will come in and take it. They always mess up oh, on the I'll studio. What else is new? I'll hand it yeah. to you on Tuesday. You hand it to me because you're going to win. One spin, one roll on black. Have fun, man. Thank you, man. We'll do. Talk to you later. Alright, Austin Lane from Vegas. We're taking a quick timeout, Scott. We're pretty much done for the day, brother. Oh, we're done. I didn't know which one of us this was. We're done. How about that? Yeah, it's 550 something. That's awesome. Alright, I'm going to win a home run derby crown. Everybody else have a great weekend. Hope you have fun.
4: Hey, better, bada. bada so wing
3: better. We'll see you out at the baseball grounds, first pitch uh, walk-off charities event. Come on out. I'll meet you down there, 615. Start hitting bombs. Hope you have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Be safe all weekend. Have fun. I'll see you on TV tonight as well on Fox 30 and CBS 47. Join us
0: today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.